A long time ago, about a million years BC, the best things in life were absolutely free. But no one appreciated a sky that was always blue. And no one congratulated a moon that was always new. So it was meant that they would vanish now and then. And you must pray if you would get them back again. That's what dreams were made for. And you shouldn't be afraid for. Every time it rains, it rains pennies from heaven. Don't you know each cloud contains? Oh, how sweet! You'll find your fortune falling all over town. Be sure that your umbrella. You're better than the Westminster Choir, really. <laughs> Night and you and blue Hawaii. The night is heavenly, and you are heaven, my dear. Sweet Leilani. Oh, I hate to do interrupt that, but you know, it's time for the show. It's a Saturday night, April 11, year 2015, and hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. This is Florida. That's California. Texas is in the middle. We've got everything covered. That's true. I think. The, the world is safe. Yes. Because we're here. And I got rid of all my weird stuff for today, so I'm perfect for tonight. Oh, oh. I, mean, I, I started my day by dropping the basket, like, from a Mr. Coffee. Yeah. With all the coffee grounds in it. Yeah. Yeah, and when you drop one of those things, the coffee grounds go everywhere. I know, I know. But it's been an improvement ever since. So, <laughs> I'm all perky tonight. And this is, we're going to, this is our last Saturday night for uh, for a couple of weeks because next Saturday we'll be broadcasting live in Seattle. So Patricia had the night off, and next week, so this will be an opportunity to talk to the first lady of the station. I want to be the queen. The queen, the princess, yep. the highness. Can you be the queen. The the queen. Well, the princess would work. The queen. 
The princess. The queen. The princess. Walden and I were talking about a song, The Queen of the Silver Dollar, a minute before we came on the air, and I found the lyrics, so for later, I've got the lyrics. So my opening trivia question, everybody, this is pretty simple. Who would the singer that open with? And where would this? And where would this show? Where would this? Where would this perform? And why do you think it's so unique? So those are my opening questions. You know. Well, I'm so glad we have an audience who can call in and let us know. <laughs> I thought it was Bing. It is Bing. So correct, oh, okay. Patricia. <laughs> oh, jeez. get a little wonky when I hear people sing. They hit notes that are so similar to each other sometimes. Like I get Doris Day and who else? Dinah Shore together. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. They, and when they sing together, if they sing together, they I have. They have. The difference. Have. But when you play one and then play the other, I don't know which one is which. So my question is then to follow up is Bing Crosby. Where would this, where would this perform? And why do you think it's somewhat unique? So I throw it out there for people to think about that. You you got a clue when he when he mentioned the uh, you sound just as good as the Westminster Choir. So that gives you a clue where this was at. Oh my goodness! He, oh, I'm not going to say anything. Ah ah. And mm. my next trivia question: What favorite radio show is celebrating his 80th birthday next week? So those are my uh, trivia questions onto the table for everybody to. Ponder, consider, and stuff like that there. Uh, I think we're going to open up and go with our short segments for up to midnight. So, you know, we'll do the 10-minute sprints. So once I hang up the phone, you are you can start dialing. But, you know, maybe Patricia has a word of wisdom before we want to start. So, my dear? Mm, I don't know how wise they are, but I do have a couple of things. Yes. It is National Barbershop Quartet Day. So I send a happy S-P-B-S-Q-S-A day to Larry, and he, I hope, will extend it to John as well. They are barbershoppers, Larry and John Gassman. And when Larry calls in next, he will explain what the S-P-B-S-Q-S-A stands for. It sounds like a... Society for the Preservation of Barbershop Quartet. And I don't know what the SA at the end stands for. Sound like some sound like some animal society, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like save the squirrels or something. You're right. Okay, this is the last night of Passover. Ah, that's right. Passover to our Jewish friends who are celebrating the holiday. It was eight days long, mm-hmm. and I hope you had some wonderful family time on an excellent and memorable seder, and. Happy Passover. I'm glad you're out there. Then I have 1961. Bob Dylan's first appearance was at Folk City in Greenwich Village. And that made me think, favorite singers in your life. So I need for people to pick one singer. And I, 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 can't, I can't listen to 10. Everybody has extra ones, but the the most memorable singer, your favorite singer, whatever it is, just one when you call in. And Bob Dylan is acceptable as uh, he had an unusual style. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's my, my list for tonight besides all of the million things that I've got on my list that we never get to. All right. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right, everybody. 
You can call 714-545-2071. Yeah, Hello there, you're on air. Good evening, Walden and Patricia. Is that you, Jim? It is. You sound like you have the cold now. Oh, slight one. <laughs> it was. You know, sometimes it just it goes in phases, you know. I know. Uh, you're sounding a heck of a lot. I sure did. I mean, Larry got it now. They're never supposed to rehearse oh, yeah. barbershop today. Uh, oh. Yeah, I can imagine what rehearsal must have sounded like with, with those. <laughs> the choir of the goose. <laughs> we're supposed to sing today? Yeah, they were supposed to be heard from noon to three or something. Oh. Yeah, so, uh, and Larry did a show last night with a hot, cu- hot cup of tea throughout the whole show to keep the voice somewhat lubricated throughout the night last night, so. Yeah. I yeah. I just had I just had our family get protest, so I guess we're driven off the stage last Saturday. But you know, well, you were really, you know, you, I think your most difficult night was Friday night a week ago. Mm-hmm. Saturday you sounded better. I did. <laughs> I don't know. Some of the people might. Sunday you were beginning to sound pretty normal. When you were with Doctor Beal. Yeah. To sound a little more normal. No, a little more normal. You know, but uh. How have you been, Patricia? I'm okay over here, thank you. Except for not being able to talk like you usually do. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. It's just we're oh dear coasting along, sing as what's the old song? Rolling along, singing as I don't know about singing a song, but certainly rolling along anyway. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to mention. I mentioned it to Walden briefly last week. I just finished this week reading that book. Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan. Whoa. And what it's about, if you don't know, Patricia, um, a man has written a book. Now I already forgot the author's name, but it, the book is about a uh, how the radio Superman took on the peddlers of hate in 1946. I remembered, I've heard that series, and they had a couple of different series that made reference to it, but I remember this one in particular. This was the the one that John and Larry are playing on Fridays is the one about the Fiery Cross. They call it the Clan of the Fiery Cross. They couldn't use the mm-hmm. real name. But it's a story of, it's a combination story of how Superman was created, how these two boys in Cleveland created Superman, um, won the dialogue and won the, draw, you know, Schuster and, uh, oh, now I, uh, now I forgot the Richard? other... I think Richard, Jerry, Jerry, somebody, Richard, somebody. Beagle. Yeah, Jerry. Beagle and Schuster. There you go. Schuster. There you go. And how they created it, and how um, the radio show evolved along with a lot of other Superman merchandise, and how they took on the Klan essentially because the Klan was getting a real revival. It had got, it had come, of course, after the Civil War. Then it had a revival in the 1920s. And it was beginning to get a revival in the 1940s, after just as World War II was ending. And they thought kids needed to learn about how dangerous these people were. So Superman took it on, and uh, it was very successful. Uh, and the book talks about um, the, the two men uh, who wrote it. Uh, talked a little bit about Bud Collier, who, who portrayed Superman, of course. They mentioned briefly Jackson Beck, who, you know, announced it. And um, 
just, just an excellent read about a phase of our history that many people may not even think about. So that might be one of your radio books you might want to read. Do you, and you don't recall who wrote it? Uh, boy. Rick. It wasn't? Yeah, Rick's the first name. Now I already forgot. Sorry, I forgot the last name. Well, let me do my homework. You two just chat for a okay. minute. Okay. So, Jim, you want to take a guess what where Bing Crosby was saying that mel- melody of songs? Where, where he was singing? Where was he singing? Oh, um, <coughs> I have no idea. And, and he, he, he alluded to the Westminster Choir. Oh, London. That's right. He was in London. He was at the London Palladium. And I just thought it was just um, he sang tw- 20 minutes worth of it. And it's amazing. This was 1975, two years oh. before he passed away. And to think about, he was singing songs that were 30 and 40 years old and having the entire audience sing with him throughout all the songs. I think it's pretty incredible. It is, when you think about, and how his voice was strong. Yes. Right to the end, even on that last Christmas special in 1977, which CBS played posthumously. Yes. Where he sang that song with David Bowie. Right. Uh, The Little Drummer Boy, and I forgot the song. Oh, that was great. Yes, I, I think David Bowie mentioned something when he when he's been he was just shaking his boots, singing along with Bing Crosby doing that. Yes, and it was a very and I think it was later released as a single. Yeah, the song uh, that they did together, and I saw that special in '77. Of course, in '76, he did that the the third hour of the NBC First Fabulous Fifty on NBC Radio. Mm-hmm. He narrated that in '76. And I guess his fall was in 76, wasn't it? Correct. In the Ambassador Auditorium. Correct. Well, he fell 20 feet. Oh, wow. And Catherine really thinks that's what killed him, to be honest with you. Um, but You know, I remember one of my friends remarking at the time of his death, if you're going to have to die, and you can do it after you do something that you really enjoy doing, like playing golf. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't he have a full 18 holes? Yeah, he did a full... The doctor told him not to, but he went ahead and shot 18 holes in Spain. Mm-hmm. And, uh... But I just think it's remarkable to think here a audience outside of his own country singing songs that he made hit 40 years ago. They could, they knew all the words and just sing along with him. It tells you what a impact he had upon the mu- musical landscape uh, of the world. Um, he even did. He even did a verse. Some some people laugh at it, but it is a fact. He even did a version of the Beatles song "Hey Jude," hmm. late sixties or. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, it, but his voice was strong. Yeah. It really, it it really was. And. Um, so you want to take a, uh, you want to take a uh, you want to put a name in the hat, Patricia? Question of the night: What is your favorite singer of all time? I'll have to think about that. There's about three I really like. I like Como, of course, like my mother. Yeah. Como's up there. Sinatra's up there. Um, prob- probably Como and Sinatra were the two my my two absolute favorites. Right. The variety of their material. Bing Bing would be about third, I guess. Mm-hmm. I still find it amazing that so few radio stations, even that have adult standard stations, never play Bing Crosby, except at Christmas. Oh, mine does. Yours does? 
Oh, gosh, and I just even heard of Dean Martin the other day. You heard Dean Martin the other day? I, yeah, I, I, I don't hear them all the time, but within their mix and this particular station, and I don't even know what, you know, they, they say old-time radio, anything in the 90s now, <laughs> radio, which is a little unnerving. But every day you listen to that particular show, there is something like Bing Crosby or Dean Martin or some of the, and Harry Como was there as well. And I'm just so delighted that they're still playing them. Oh, and of course, another one I have to add to the list is Frankie Lane. Well, you can add Frankie Lane, but you can only have one. <laughs> that, that's the rule for tonight. You can only have one. Which one would it be? Yeah. I, I, when, when Jim gets backed into a corner with this, he just, you break out in a sweat. One? One? I don't have one. <laughs> I'll say Perry Como. Perry Como, top of the list. Okay. I think that's a great choice. Um, yeah. And uh, now, 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 now next week maybe you can ask people's favorite female singer next week maybe. I don't know, are you doing males and females tonight? or? Oh, yeah, and singer. Okay. Just, singer. just the top of the list. Okay. I'll even take a person that you don't adore but you think is... At the top of the list. Yeah. Which sounds stupid, but I mean, I think Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra is not, by any stretch of the imagination, my favorite singer, but I know he was extremely accomplished. So, I mean, I would, I would accept that. So, okay, Perry Como, you've got Perry Como there. Yeah. And Jim, if you're going to be up later, would you give us a call later too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just you're still doing the first. I I just can't tune in. Uh huh. We're doing the first ten minutes. Ten minutes spread, and then at nine o'clock we'll open it up to our normal. Okay, uh, I didn't realize you were still doing the first time. Yeah, no, no, not third time. We're just doing everybody for the first ninety minutes. Get a short ten minute burst, okay, and, okay. and okay. then at nine o'clock we'll go back to our normal relaxed okay. format. So it's always a pleasure talking to you. It's great to hear you to be get through again. I think this new phone I have even has redial, so I might be. Hey, you're going to be dangerous. So thanks again. All right, talk to you in a little Thank while. Thank you, Jim. Sure. Bye bye. Well, I have to throw my hat. in California. My hat, of course, is Doris Day, my all time favorite. Is singer. Doris Day? Oh, really? yeah. Hands down. I think, I think she's the most talented of all the singers of all time. If you really study all the different things she took on, by far, I think she's. Oh, she, darn. Oh, with yeah. So many to choose from. She really is special. Oh, okay. Yeah, Who's by there? far, she's the best. Okay. Hello there. You're on here. I'm trying to turn it down. Okay, Ron. There we go. I got it. There you go. You made it. There we go. Yeah, I got it. I made it. Okay. Ron in Ron in Illinois. You might as well have had snow or stuff like tornadoes you had this week. Oh yeah, yeah. We had. Are you okay? Yes. Okay. We didn't. We didn't have anything here. All right. That's good. I mean, geography is not my big thing. All I know is it was Illinois that got hit the hardest. It was, and I don't know what town uh, there was. A, there was a tornado that did some damage to the town. I don't know what town that was. It made a mm. national press. It was a pretty big. I know, it, I it was big. It was a big one. I missed it. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad, I'm glad it <laughs> missed you. It, it, okay, let's get the serious stuff out of the way first. All right. Best singer, favorite singer, top of the list singer. What do you bar think? None, bar none, Frankie Lane. 
Frankie Lane. Wow. Okay. And the message. Yes. Always, always like that guy. You got it. Of a song, which one is your favorite? Oh, now that's a good question. You know, um, I, I like Jealousy. Yeah, that's a great song. I do. I like it because of the different uh, tempo changes in it. It's just neat. Yeah. It's me. It is. It's me. Yeah. Okay, Patricia. Patricia wants to store her two cents into the pot. Go ahead. It's me. Yes. yes. Ghost Riders in the Sky. Great song. Hands down. Uh, Ghost Riders it, in the Sky. He didn't record that. Yes, he did. No, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, it's a good song. Are you positive because you're a little hot? I, sh- I don't think he recorded it. Okay, well, before before I go look for that, um, the author of Superman vs. the Ku Klux Klan is Richard Bowers. So, there you go. Okay, Frankie Lane. Go Strider. Well, you know how he bought his house in San Diego? No. Did any of you want to take a guess? Oh, yeah, I, I know because you told us. I've so told us. I, I have a... disqualified myself. Okay. Well, Ghost Riders in the Sky by Frankie Lane. It's even on YouTube. Ha! Huh? I knew it. I knew it. In my heart, I knew it. Okay. All right. Well, I... Frankie... <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Frankie Lane oh. was a coin collector, everybody. And in Las Vegas, you had a lot of dead time. You were doing show two or three times a night. So he told them his fee was $5,000 a show. And so he told him, just pay me in silver dollars. So thousand? What did he do? Go home in a brief truck? So, so you know how much that stuff weighs? So, so oh, in his hotel room, he would go through the bags of silver dollars, picking out the real ones. And he wound up collecting enough of the real silver dollars that he turned them all in to buy his house in San Diego. I'll be there. So that's how he bought his house. That's an amazing In San Diego. Amazing. That's great. He must have had them delivered. <laughs> I mean, think about it, Walton. You go out with a bag of pennies and you're a cripple by the time you get to your car. Well, that, well they get delivered to the hotel room. So if he was staying at the hotel room at the, the place he was performing at in Las Vegas, he didn't have to go out. So they must have brought it upstairs yeah, for him. Yeah, uh-huh. But he did have to go home at one point or another. Well, by that time he would have he would have picked out the ones he wanted. Yeah, and, and probably and probably thing. told him to transfer transfer his stuff into yeah. a check, you know. But yeah. he in order to kill to kill time between shows, he would just sit there and go through silver dollars. He play with his silver dollars. He was the king of the silver dollars. Yeah, this is good. Okay. I am vindicated. Frankie Lane sang Ghost Riders in the Sky. Oh, oh, I'm vindicated. You know, another thing about Frankie Lane, he was not an overnight hit. Oh, no. He was 35 before he even made it. Um, I mean, he was working in the factories. He was uh, he was making a living doing the, the walkathon, the dance-a-thons in the 30s just to survive. Um, he would be singing around in the 30s and 40s, but not ever being discovered. It was really 1947, and he was 35 years old. And then it all came together, you know, from the late 47 into the 60s for him. All that, all those big, big hits just kept rolling for him. 
Yeah. Well, he earned it the That's hard true. way. That's true. And how good for us that he did. Because he was good. Yeah. He was very he good. He was good. Yep. Different record companies. He was on Columbia for quite a while and mm -hmm. for a little while. And ABC later. Um, yeah, very interesting. Now, let's what am I hearing in the background? His radio. Oh, oh, oh. I, I thought it was Jackie. Oh, she's not here right now. She's not even here right now. Well, myself. yeah, but I've got good ears. Walden says I have good ears. You do. So are you doing well? Doing well. Doing very well. And you're keeping up with your computer and doing all yes. sorts of new yes. fun things? Yes. I and you're listening to old-time radio, and you're going to tell me which show you listened to that you really liked this week? Yes, I am. Thank you for reminding me. Uh-oh. Oh, this is good. 33 what? Half Moon Street. 33 Half Moon Street. And which program was that on? No, that's the name of the program. That's the name of the series. Believe it's a South African series. And tell me the name of it again. 33 Half Moon Street. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. And I Very, never, I never pulled that down. Maybe I did. I'll have to dig through my theater stuff and see. It, it's a series, is it not? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. I I will see if I can dig it up. If I can dig it up, is that one you want on your list? I have it. <laughs> you have it. I have it. The whole I thing. Yeah, I think so. There are, I have 46 of them. Well, well, never mind. There are, but I have 46 of them. That sounds like a pretty hefty and, number. Yeah, it is. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm, this, when I came across it, I don't think that many were there. This, this uh, ties back to computers, uh, Walden. Mm -hmm. I downloaded it. Very good. Good on you. Very good. Yeah. All right. Are you going to give a thumbnail synopsis of, what a stupid phrase, thumbnail Are you going to give a little synopsis of the show? Well, it deals with a, with a, a, a I can't remember the name of the organization right now, but it's the cell that runs an organization. I've forgotten the name of it. And he has a partner that he works with. And they have all kinds of uh, different assignments that they go on that they get involved in. It's really good. And it is South African? I believe it is. Anything that came out of that country. And the um, Springbok was the company or the organization. I don't know which. It's a radio, it's a radio, yeah, radio. corporation. It's a radio corporation. Radio. That's a good phrase. And they did all of these wonderful recordings like the Sherlock Holmes that I love so much. Oh, yeah, and you sent me those. Thank you. And they were going out of business because, you know, interest waned, and they came back up. Yes. So I believe they're broadcasting again. They're still broadcasting in South Africa. It's Springbok, S-P-R-I-N-G-B-O-K, for anybody who wants to take a look uh, and uh, take a look and a listen. Springbok Radio. Mm-hmm. It's called. And it's got yeah. good stuff. 
Yes, good stuff. And yes. the dramatic, their dramatic offerings were just incredibly good. So that's that's my that's in my week. That's been your week, Walden. What did you listen to? Were you able to listen to anything this week? Um. <laughs> I don't think so. I I don't think so. Uh, you don't think so? You know, because I'm laughing because if you had to think that hard, I didn't think there was something on the list. No, I mean the only thing would have been if I. I listened to the latest thing I listened to was Samarmus Brooks in order to get ready for reps, and I, mm-hmm. uh, um, I've been busy actually. What I've been doing, working in the Spurvac building, pulling out new stuff that haven't been out there, and just pulling things, inventory stuff and stuff like that there. So I was trying to help the hobby see new stuff coming out. So new stuff, stuff, new stuff. Yes, I want to talk about an awful show. Oh, one that one that you heard, or one that you want to nominate? Because I'm asking for nominations tonight. Well, I have no nominations. Uh oh. One that I heard. Yes. Uh oh. Right. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yes. Yes. I heard in the name of the law the other night, Friday night, last night. Which one was it? In the name of the law. The name of. Oh! 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 Okay. And you're going to tell me you liked it? I'd like to tell you that I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> but I will. I, I was. I, I thought. Are you kidding me? In the name of the law, <laughs> is this the one with Mr. Carter, the, the retired detective or cop or something like that? No. No, this is the one where where uh, where uh, where uh, the mother mother was poisoned. Oh, oh. <laughs> Wasn't that dreadful? You with me, you with me here? Oh, oh my goodness, yes. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, uh, I, I, but I, it was not very good. However, so kind. there has to be a qualification here. I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you tonight, Ron. I'm sorry. You, I you've got a couple of words that are dropping off. Would, would you say that again? Uh... I have to qualify it because there's just a, there's something that uh, I, I want to tell you about that. That you have to realize that it's an early, early, early um, uh, police drama. You know, and it was still awful, awful, awful. The acting was horrific. Very good. I have spoken. Yeah, it really wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> You, you really are kind. I thought it was dreadful. Okay, okay. What do you think of the uh, p- uh, calling all cars? Again, um, it's, it's a very early effort. That's what I mean. That's why I'm wondering what Patricia's thinking. It, it, uh, does. No, I don't think I have heard them recently, I've Walden. Heard several of them. I've heard several of them. Well, I'll have to take I a listen. I think they're very good. Well, that's why I'm, I'm wondering. I know it wasn't. I, I don't have good memories about it, but. I want to be fair, so I will take a listen this weekend between all the other stuff. <laughs> it's interesting, Mullen, that it's a, it's a William and William and Rose. Correct. Actually, it's one of the legendary shows that they talk about in Hollywood. That they're so early, they set the platform, but I was just wondering if does it meets Patricia's standards for awfulness. <laughs> I think it would be. Doesn't that you, you have standards. I, it, it, I, it has to cross the low bar. Well, you know, it, you have to consider that 
Again, it's a very early effort. Well, you notice, Ron, if you haven't noticed, Patricia doesn't consider that as a much of a factor. If it's awful, it's awful. She doesn't, she doesn't care if it's early or late. She'll put it in the awful category. I think she should. Yeah. It had to grow. You know, the, the genre had to grow, and, and it had to start somewhere. Okay, I got a great topic. I got a great topic, and maybe we can all work on this throughout the evening to think about it. What is the best... Radio series that was the earliest that we like. Are there anything from the early 30s that anybody like? Huh. That's a great what? question, but I don't know. I don't know either. That's what I mean. That's what I'm throwing that on the table. What, of all the radio shows, I, what's the earliest series that you really like? Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything. Uh, Ron, I have one more comment about whatever we were talking about. <laughs> when yeah. you said... I. I need to keep in mind, or we need to keep in mind. I mean, you weren't yeah. scolding me or anything, but that it no, was no. one of the earliest. It was one of the earliest shows, and that might be a consideration in the awfulhood. However, I, I, I have I have to do a PS in here. the The medium might have been new, but the acting should have been better. I would I would certainly agree with that. Because actors have been around longer than radio. Especially in this example of In the Name of the Law that you played. I got it. The acting was horrible. You're right. It was bad. And there's really no excuse for that. Thank you. So anyone out there in our peanut gallery who would like a copy of um, In the Name of the Law, I have several, and I would be happy to send them. Um, I mean, sometimes the bad stuff is really fun. I, I really enjoy listening to bad stuff. I love rolling my eyes and saying, that cannot be. This cannot be. <laughs> it's fun stuff. Um, well, another interesting program I, I've, I've read across recently, uh, Patricia, is ABC Mystery Time. Hmm. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. I, I will keep that in mind. Well, Ron, we're, we're, we're running on our short calls at this moment, and then in a little while we'll go to our regular, okay, we can talk about anything type thing. Can you give us well, a call I, back later? Sorry about that. I, well, I'll see. I'll, you know, how long, it depends on how long I stay up. 55 minutes. I'll try. 55 minutes. Oh, you can do it. I know you can do it. If Patricia can stay up, you can stay up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank you. That's right. Yes, Mother. All right. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you in uh, fifty-five minutes. Sounds wonderful. All right. All right. Thanks, John. Okay. This is a short spread of ten minutes for everybody. And Frankie Lane is now on the list. We want to know your favorite or the best singer in your life. And this was prompted by the fact that Bob Dylan launched his career on this day in 1961. Frankie Lane, Lane, Perry Como, Doris Day, Patricia, you want to put one in or you want to wait? No, you know, I I just, I'm I'm baffled. I'm so impressed that the three of you have come up with a single singer already. Who's there? Hello there, you're on air. Hello, you two. Hello, Celeste. This is Celeste. Well, of course, since you're doing music tonight, I would have to say to you it's a sad day because Ralph Sharon, who was the accompaniment for Tony Bennett, died today. Oh, my gosh. What a week. 
And he oh. was a, I know, isn't it? Eh, what a week. Um, what a week in the music business. Yeah. Uh, uh, a dear friend of ours, Paul, played with him with Tony Bennett many times. He was the dearest person. And when they gave a memorial for my husband when he was ill, they had a big memorial for him and Aaron Dallas, and Tony Bennett happened to be here, and he and Ralph Sharon came over and just played and played and played for that day that Paul was there. It was so sweet. Such a sweet man, and Tony, uh, Tony Bennett is my favorite singer. Wow, okay. Tell you why. Tony Bennett. Okay. He has kept good music alive. He has gone from way back when he was young, old heart and all that, and then through Ralph Sharon, he became, started doing jazz songs, and Ralph Sharon was really the one that got him to do I Left My Heart in Oh, uh, it's, it's my favorite Tony Bennett song. I mean, when he did it in 62 or so. Right? Just yeah, uh-huh. And that was Ralph Sharon. He was kind of floundering when he made a hit on Cold Hold Heart. Mm -hmm. yeah. But he got with Ralph Sharon, and Ralph Sharon really shaped his, his future for him and got him a little more into the good music and jazz and things like that. And look, he just appeared with Lady Gaga, for goodness sake. Well, the, the, I was seeing yesterday that he and Lady Gaga are performing here at the Hollywood Bowl this summer in July. Yeah. You know, it, 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 Tony Bennett's son, you have to give him a lot of credit. He knew how to manage his, the rebirth of his dad's career within the last 10 to 15 years. It's been pretty amazing what he's done. Well, he has, but he didn't shape the music. No, Tony no, I'm just thinking, get, the, get, get, get getting, get getting the uh, his dad name, everything in order. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. getting it in order. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he really did. And I want to tell you, Walden. Now, I like uh, jazz singers, so and I like a lot of them. But my favorite on-screen singer is uh, Doris Day. Yeah, I want to tell you. Her movie, Love Me or Leave Me, yep. is one of the best musicals that has ever been put out. And they snubbed her in the Oscars on that. It was the story of this tragic woman, Ruth Edding, Correct. had a good career, you know. But her music in that movie and her acting in that movie and everything is just wonderful. Yeah, 1955. I have it both in stereo and in mono. And you're absolutely correct. Um, she was really snubbed in that, and I forget, I think I was just about in junior high, maybe sixth or seventh grade, when eighth grade, when that came out. And I was just sure that they would get, she would get nominated for an Oscar and win it. Because I went back to see that movie, oh, two or three times, and I've watched it on television, of course, several times. And her acting was superb in that movie. She did, and the music, everything was just wonderful in that movie. And of course, Jimmy Cagney was the, the manager, had husband, yep. and he was wonderful in the movie and everything. And I felt like she was, or screen singers, she's my favorite. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of jazz singers I like, you know, to hear. Yeah. But for uh, movie stars, singers, she's the best. 
she still she is still in good voice. When I picked up her CD here a couple years, uh, the latest one she did two years ago with two or three new songs, she's still in good voice, and it's a, it's a, it's amazing here. I I have stuff for her in 1939, and with Bonnie Rapp, and here a new CD that she did two or three new songs. She's it's amazing over a 75 year period. Uh, she still has that good quality in her in her vocal structure. Yeah. Very, yeah. very talented lady. Could you tell yeah. me why she was passed over for Oscar nomination? Why was she passed tell over? Why you think she was passed over for an Oscar nomination? Well, I don't know. There were some, I've forgotten what year that was. 1955. It, it was the year that Grace Kelly, uh, No. you don't think she won it for that year? I don't think so. I think it was earlier than that. I know Maybe. Grace Kelly won the country girl. I'm talking that I wanted Judy Garland to yeah. win for. Uh, I thought country girl was about the same time. I could be off by a year. Well, Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I I felt she really de- deserved to be nominated that year because her singing and. Her, and her acting was so superb in that movie, just really, really good. And, you know, it's that story of Ruth Edding, and it was, I just thought it was a great movie. I still watch it every once in a while. It's so good. And um, she's my favorite screen singer. I have a lot of other people I like to hear jazz and things from, but she's, she's just my favorite on-screen singer. So who's your favorite she's, jazz singer? Huh? Who's your favorite jazz? Singer? I have a lot. I like Marianne McCall. I like Billie Holiday. I like uh, uh, Anita Day. People that are probably obscure to you all. That, no, you know, no, no. It's still, still very memorable. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, Billie Holiday would have been one hundred this week. Huh? Billy Holiday would have been 100. Yes, yes, yes. They were playing a lot of Billy Holiday on um, on the uh, computer up when I looked for music mm-hmm. at a 100th anniversary of hers. They yep. played a lot of things, you know. So, and she was the beginning of uh, modern jazz singers. Mm-hmm. She holds that slot, you know, for everybody's heart. But I really felt like Doris Day was snubbed, and I just want to get it off my chest. Oh, right. (laughs) I'm glad you did. I just looked it up, and the first quote I saw was, I was stunned that she wasn't nominated. And that was from Pasternak. He was a producer. Uh Uh-huh, Joseph Pasternak, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I was stunned. Doris Day was an interesting... I, I knew her agent. And, uh, Bud Granoff said of the, of the stars he had, he had Martin and Lewis and Sinatra, there were really two that really, they did not necessarily, being a star was not all that important to them. And Doris was one of those. You know, she mm-hmm. was, was more important looking after her son and other things in her life were more important than her than trying to, trying to be a star. And she didn't have that drive to do that, even though she... She didn't seem to have a need for that. No. She did a good job. You know, she really fell prey to, she really fell prey to two bad husbands. Mm Mm-hmm, correct. Um, Yep. Yeah, because uh, 
what's his name, just left. When he died, he just left her broke, and yep. she had to take that television show that she really didn't want to do. Right. Just strong and kept going, you know. Yeah. No matter what adversity she had. And, um, but but I, I, I love Tony Bennett for keeping the good music going. And if you want to hear good music, go on, you know, how you can watch videos on TV. Mm-hmm. Watch Tony Bennett sing The Music Never Ends. This is the most beautiful song, and he's had, he uses it now in all of his four shows that, and concerts that he does. And it's kind of a new one for him. And I think Lady Gaga sang that with him when they did their joint appearance. They sang that one, but it's it's just a beautiful song. But I I admire him because uh, he's really kept good music alive. Yep. And there's a lot of bad music <laughs> out there, you know. And he just keeps going. But Ralph Sharon is a real love. Yeah. He's a friend of ours and just to the music world. He was a wonderful smart accompaniment and a good good musician. Anyway, I'll let you guys call. All right, so uh, th- call. thank you for calling. Okay. Have a good week. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, we're definitely hitting the board here. 714. 714- Five four five two zero seven one. Who is your favorite singer out there, everybody? Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. We are in the ten minute. No, that's right. We're- I just had a, you know, dive right in the water right next to the boat. So, Whoa, what the heck was that? Yes. Wow. I just had a, you know, dive right in the water right next to the boat. So, Whoa, what the heck was that? Yes. Wow. Oh, okay. I got a little noise coming out of my, my TV here. I cut it down. <laughs> So, Ralph, you have a favorite singer of all time? Well, you know, uh, I'm not a big on singers, but I always liked Teresa Brewer. I thought for a little woman, Uh she had a fantastic voice. Okay, Teresa Brewer. Oh, yeah. Put another nickel in the Nickelodeon. Right, right, right. Music, 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 yeah. I think she was a winner of the Major Bowes Amateur Hour, and she was 19 when that song came out in 1950. So, uh, and uh, definitely had several big hits in the 50s. There's no doubt about it. She had a very successful career. Yeah, I understand she raised a huge family. Wow. Okay, I'm looking. You guys keep talking. Okay. I happened to hear it last night, you know, when I wake up in the middle of the night, uh-huh. it was on the, uh, coming over the radio from the disc that you sent me. It's, uh, uh, Stretch Snodgrass. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> oh, yeah, from the hour Miss Rose. He had a sister. He oh, had really? a sister? Wow. Do you remember her name? I didn't even know he had one. Yeah, they, they, they were talking to him, and I didn't retain his first name, but he had a real unusual first name. Yeah, that was Fabian. You know, does your brothers and sisters have unusual names? And he says, no, they all got regular names. He said, I was just talking to my sister, Rapunzel. (laughs) (laughs) Stretch's first name was Fabian. That's it, yeah. I think that's right. Rapunzel. That's good. I, I, I did not know he ever made reference to a sibling. Oh, you remember? Did you know that, Walter? No, I never did. But I remember what his dad did. You guys remember what his dad, what kind of business his dad was in? At a pet shop. That's right. That's right. He, he didn't sell chickens, though. <laughs> he didn't sell chickens, no. Did he sell frogs? Where did McDougal come from? <laughs> the, oh, the, uh... Mr. Boynton the frog. Yeah. Frog? Yeah. Where did McDougal come from? Do we know? Uh, I don't know. No, but remember the, they tried to introduce McDougal a girlfriend. What was the girlfriend's name? Oh, good question. And they, um, Mr. Boynton too. Is that when he brought him to the pond? Something. Well, she she was trying to get closer to him, so she brought her female frog into the into the laboratory. <laughs> remember that? That's the routine I remember. Oh, jeez. through hoops to get that guy. Yeah, no. I know. No, I don't have any idea what the frog's name was. No. What was it, Walden? I thought it was Mi- I, I thought Millicent. Maybe I'm wrong. Millicent. Millicent and McDougal. That would have gone together well. <laughs> Okay, so I I will just go look that up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, the sun's just going down behind my mountain out here. So, have you gotten the boat out on the water here the last couple of weeks? We we had it out one time so far this year, just to give it a a christening. But we 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 can only go in the small lake. The big lake is over half empty. It's wow, horrible. that is so scary. Yeah, and they say, you know, the, we had a couple of good rainstorms, but nothing to break the drought. No. It's going to be a hot, fiery summer around here. So what do you think we should do for the water shortage, Ralph? What do you think? What, what should we do? Mm. I don't know what you can do. Uh, you know, I've heard people say desalinization. Right. Sounds like a, a, a fairly good option to me. Mm-hmm. And you remember a couple of years ago they were talking about towing icebergs? Yep, I remember that idea. Bringing them down the coast. Right. But I, I don't know, I don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, My dad thinks they should run pipeline from Canada and just bring the water from Canada down to California. Uh, Obama wouldn't like I know. <laughs> I know. And then I've read here, you know, people think that they should bring the snow from the East Coast over here, like from Buffalo. I guess they could spare it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, we were lucky last year. Our little well kept pumping all year long. Mm. But I had neighbors that uh, that had to buy thousands and 
thousands of gallons of water. You must have one heck of a deep well. Do you know how deep it is? It's about 165 feet. That's a a good deep well. Not too far from here, a guy had 300 footers, and they both went dry. Wow. Neighboring town. Was he living higher than you, higher in... You know, no, he's, as a matter of fact, he's, he's lower. But, wow. And uh, my, my good friends that live in the same, uh, the same town, they, they had a stream and a well, and they both went dry. Wow. They had, had, they had to pay a lot of money to get, to get water for their livestock and to run the house. Yeah. Well, the challenge with the desalin is uh, we we always said desalinization, and that's not that's not the current term. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. There are two problems with that. Number one, it's terribly expensive, and getting water from that source is a very very expensive proposition, and it's it's it'll break the bank building these things. But the second is that you're talking about drinking water, not irrigation water, and. Um, so it, it, it's just, you know, conservation as a first step is the way to go. Yeah, well, you know, they're rationing the water to the farmers. They did it last year. I'm sure they'll do it this year. And that means, you know, the prices of, uh, of vegetables and such are going to go up. Yeah, the produce is, uh, is a challenge. I've been following it. I get the headlines and little news briefs from the Los Angeles Times. So I've been following what they're doing in terms of conservation and the arguments and and uproar about the farms not being cut back. And then on the counter side, if you cut back on the farms, the produce is going to go down. They can't plant as many acres. I mean, it's just a a problem from no matter, I don't know. There's no single answer, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, if, they, if, they, if we run out, flat out run out of water, uh, I don't know. <laughs> You'll all have to move to Florida. We have desalinization plants here. You'll pay a fortune, but the plants are, are operational. Well, maybe yeah. I, maybe I shall. Well, you know that uh, that may be a situation where I uh, just have to take the bull by the horns and, and do it. I think they're going to have to do some things like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I understand. I was listening to the, uh, another factor is what to do with all the salt. The, you know, the, that's the other factor. After you separate the salt from the yeah. water, what do you do with all that salt? <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Ralph. Salt. More salt, oh, yeah. Gee. You know, that's an interesting question, Walden. I never... That's the, any that, investigation that's, that's that. the, yeah, because we go back into the land, so what would that do for for agriculture? So that's sort of the, uh, the current... Um, well, I don't know how it is collected. I guess you could drive it to the Great Salt Flats. Anyway, it's a, it's, it's uh, a really interesting question. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. You know, okay. I hadn't thought of that, that there would be a whole whole bunch of salt as a byproduct. Well, maybe the, maybe we were, we were oversupplied the salt market, and there would be and the salt would really drop in prices. 
it's already down to rock bottom. I mean, <laughs> buy, a, buy a pound of salt for like a dollar. I, mean, I haven't bought salt in I don't know how long, but all right. And you were the see. salt, and you were the salt kid. You and Barbara are the salt kids in this family. So my gosh. Yeah, but, I know. I know. You know. I know. I mean, there are some times you have to give up what you love, <laughs> and you still get nailed. <laughs> <laughs> Gee whiz, what a week. Yeah. Um, let's see. What do we do with the salt? Where is the salt? Where is the salt? Cost uh, and salt. Do you guys remember what salt company was a sponsor of the shadow in the Midwest? Diamond Crystal? No. Or diamonds? No. Oh, they got sugar. Um, and it wasn't Morton? No. Hmm. I've heard it, but I, I... That's right, you did. You have heard it. Return and retain it. It's Terry Salt. Yeah, see. See, I know. I've heard that, but I, I just... Never heard of it. Now you just learned no, something. You, you were never in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> but she being a radio historian of the first magnitude, I expect her to know those things. Yeah, well, all right. Well, you hold it to a higher standard, <laughs> a high degree of intelligence. What do you think, Patricia? Hmm. I'm not I'm getting... still, I'm still tangling with the brine <laughs> <laughs> that is um, left over from taking the salt out because <clears throat> it's wet when it goes back at night. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like they they strain salt and put it in a salt shaker. Yeah. Um, brine disposal, Santa Cruz Sentinel. This ought to be good, right? Of course. Let's see. Well, I understand Israel really have used a lot of salt uh, plants, so they must have figured what to do uh, with all the leftover salt. Environmental impacts created by removing salt from seawater and making it drinking water. We know that. Super salty concentration left after the seawater is pushed through the high-pressure membranes. The board heard from scientists about the potentially harmful impacts on some marine life when the salt is sent back to sea in the higher concentrations. That, well, I mean, you didn't need a, yeah, yeah, a college awesome. education for that one. Gee whiz. Um, boy, this is interesting. They're going to have to chuck it out and do it in the deep sea. I don't know, you know, there's people, I'm sure, that make their living mining salt. And if we had an mm-hmm. excess, they'd probably put them out of business. Yeah, but it's not salt that is recovered. They express water through the membranes. What's on the other side is the fresh water. But they're left with this liquid brine that is super saturated with salt. Or saturated with salt, not super saturated. And so it's it's a liquid that's very heavily salted, and they're saying when they bring it back into the ocean, they're creating a marine environment that is not good for our fishies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll flush it back into the sea. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a problem. Our ecosystems here are so Another year, I think there's going to be some serious repercussions. Yeah. I agree. I think you're seeing it over here wants to build two huge tunnels to send more water down. <laughs> down south, we're running out of here. Well, we'll have you run back and forth to Canada with a bucket. 
think it'd be easier just to move to Canada. That's <laughs> true. That's true. I really don't know what the answer is. I truly don't. I, Nature I can, has maybe a way of correcting herself, but boy, waiting in the meantime is going to be brutal. It's probably going to have to be trucked or piped in. I don't know what else they're going to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have, you know, we have a river, uh, you know, less than a quarter of a mile from our house, and you know, we could get water out of there, but it's, you know, then you have to put it through a uh, purification. Yeah. It's not really fit to drink. Oh dear! Oh, no. oh dear! When you, when you hear that the rest of the country's just been deluged, and and we're just not getting much at all. Yeah. Life taints hair sometimes. No taint. Tom, you know, you Tom didn't, you didn't recalls get in in <laughs> in New York has snow, and we had ninety seven degrees this week. Oh yeah, yeah. Amazing. So. Running up close to eighty over here in the daytime, but it goes down almost freezing at night. Well, up in the morning, we'll cross bus April bus. off our visitation list. Well, is that okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cross April off our visitation list if it's that cold at night. Uh, you know, you could take it. <laughs> I am not that tough. I mean, I'm tough, but not when it comes to cold. Ooh, I'm a wimp. <laughs> How did you survive in New York years ago? Yeah, and it was hard. It was really hard. I uh, hear from my daughter uh, over in, in Maui, and she says, Oh, it's cold. <laughs> I got two sweaters on. I said, Well, how cold is it? 70. It's that true. It's to me, asshole. <laughs> of course. Of course. Everything is relative. So. Yes. Well, Ralph, are you going to be up late tonight and, and get a snack and you can call us later? It, it's. Uh, I'll try if, if, I, if I should happen to wake up. Okay. We'll wake you up. I know you're, you're on a short calls tonight, so. Yeah, just for, just for the beginning of the show. We've got about another half an hour to go on. And the short calls, and then we minutes. can go back to longer calls. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll get out of your hair. You guys uh, continue on at all costs. All righty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as long as Walden's willing to pay the price, this is cool. That is true. Yeah. Okay. Good night. Good night. Good night, Ralph. Our friend John from Florida called me this week, and uh, he ran into Judy Canova's cousin. So I got that phone number to add to phone potential guests. To oh, what great fun yeah, is that? Yeah. All right. Hello there. You're on the short segment of the show. Well, good evening, Walden and Patricia. This is Ken calling from the former polar wasteland known as Shelby Township, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ken, one of our DJs. He is theater of the mind during the week. Well, how are you feeling, by the way? Let's get that on the table. How are you I'm, feeling? I'm doing great. As my primary care provider told me the last time I saw him a couple of weeks ago, you, sir, have done an amazing 180, and I feel much better than I did That's great. about a month ago. That is great. 
Alright, you have a nomination of the favorite singer of Ken to add to the list. Well, if it has to be one person, I mean, if it's the group, I think we all know who I'm <laughs> but if it's But if it's one person, I would probably say Elvis Presley. You know, my brain was moving in that direction. Yeah. Okay. Ken for Elvis. And the main reason I feel that way is just because of the, I guess you'd call it his phrasing. Some of the <laughs> some of the funny noises he makes in some of his songs, and I, I just get a big kick out of listening to him do that. I always thought he was one of, if not the most significant entertainer to create and introduce a new era or new style. Yeah. They often say he was to the 50s what Sinatra was to the 40s and what the Beatles were to the 60s and so on and so forth. Yeah. I think, I think that's true. He, uh, uh, it's also often said that he recorded songs that had been previously done by black artists, but uh, <laughs> our uh, society was in a place back then where, you know, they couldn't really recognize or they didn't feel like they could recognize black artists. But then when he would do the song, uh, that was a whole different story. So, now, that's a part of history I did not know, Ken. Yeah. Didn't uh, he, that. He, he did cover ver a lot of his early hits are cover versions of um, uh, black artists like um, uh, Hound Dog. Uh, you're nothing but a Hound Dog. It was done by a lady, uh, Mae Thornton, or somebody like that. I can't re really remember the name, but uh, when they were released as by the, the original recordings were released, uh, they probably didn't get much airplay and uh, didn't. Uh, sell a whole lot of records, and then when he came along, he would take a lot of these, and they'd be big hits. Yeah. He had a, he had a long string of number one hits. I don't even know how long, but it was, it was, it just was incredible. Yeah. All right, that raises a question for me. Was it Elvis, Elvis's music, or did it become Elvis no matter what he sang? Uh, well, I think it, it, it for a while, it was no matter what he sang. And then when he went into the, uh, after he had been in the Army and came back out again, stopped doing tours and, and concerts and focused on movies, uh, that's when his uh, popularity began to slide because the songs that he would sing had to fit into the movie somehow. My favorite example of, how that wouldn't work too well was, uh, and I'm not even sure which movie it was, it might have been Roused About in 1964, but there was a song in there called No Room to Rumba in a Sports Car. <laughs> and there's, there's just, that is not an Elvis song. <laughs> when you have to take material like that and make a song out of it, it's highly unlikely that you're going to make a good song out of it. So... Uh, yeah, like I said, after he came out of the Army and began doing really just movie soundtracks, there were a couple of uh, hits, but uh, for the most part, that's when he really sort of, as far as his uh, music went, uh, stopped selling as much as he did. 
And then yeah. in the late 60s, he had to come back. Uh, he went back to Las Vegas and uh, enjoyed a resurgence. And then he had a couple of, well, more than a couple, several hit singles in the late 60s and early 70s. And then it was beginning to tail off again just before yeah. he died. Mm. Really sad stuff. Okay, tell me about Theater of the Mind this week. What are we going okay, to be uh, hearing? It's, it's going to be, uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't even remember. i got to look it up. Hold on a second. Oh, jeez. Okay, Jen okay. I was going to say it's Gunsmoke, but that's what it's been for the last two weeks. Yeah, well, nobody's celebrating this show's 80th birthday this week. Um, I'm going to get Fibber. Correct. Fibber is 80 years old next week. Yay. There you go, Ken. Because I, I, I remember that it got started in, the, like, springtime. That's right. So uh, I figured that's what it was. Yep. Ken, you've been doing the Tuesday Amos and Andy segment at 10 p.m., or doing recordings for them. What are we up to in the Amos and Andy uh segments? Uh, it's, it, we're just crossed over into the year 1949. And um, it's, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm asking all the hard questions tonight. Yeah, you're catching me off guard here. Um, this, this, we've gotten to the point now where, and I didn't even know this until I started doing uh, the intros for Amos and Andy, but there was a point where uh I believe it was Amos, uh, was uh, not on the show as much. He was doing a kingfish character mm -hmm. or something. So, yeah, uh, because Freeman Gotten thought he had vocal problems. Right. And it was uh, it was hard for him to do Amos' voice. Right. So Amos, Yes, Amos had a higher voice than the other ones. So a lot, you would see hardly like, a nominal appearance from Amos in the show. Uh, did not know that. Yeah, and that's why you would see Kingfish is a bigger, bigger feature. Yeah. 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 I, I knew because of Kingfish's popularity early on that they kind of backed off on Amos mm -hmm. and amplified Kingfish. But I can see where Amos would have caused, um, you know, the voice of Amos would have caused a pretty serious problem. Mm -hmm. the, the sound, not only was his voice higher, but he created a hoarseness in right. that voice, which must have been very hard on the vocal cords. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. That uh, would be uh, put a wear and tear on the vocal cords to do that voice such as it was, yeah. I would say. Okay, uh, have you been listening? Right. Mm -hmm. I was right. Uh, starting Monday on Theater of the Mind, it's three episodes of Gunsmoke. One from the... Must be the last week in 1952, and then the first two from 1953. And the first one, Patricia, you'll be happy to know, involves <laughs> John Daner. Oh, 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 oh. Just in case anyone didn't know, John Daner, oh, oh. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite radio actor. Oh. <laughs> and you know, Guys. he's one of the... He's one of the few people who looked like he should have based on his voice in radio. Right, right. So many times I see pictures or um, acting 
from people who crossed over from radio to television. And, uh, you know, I look and say, is that him? But with John Daner, he really did look like his voice conjured in my mind. Uh And that doesn't happen very often. That's probably one out of one for me. I I don't fare well in creating in my mind the image of the person whose voice I'm hearing. I don't do that I would, well. I would think it would be safe to say that John Daner, along with uh, like William Conrad and Joseph Kearns, were like three of the busiest actors in old-time radio. They, at one time or another, they seemed to have appeared on every series there was, almost. <laughs> mm-hmm. And John Daner uh, pulled that over to television as well. He was right. everything from Gunsmoke to Bonanza. Yep. And was was always afraid or was afraid for so many years that he was going to be typecast as a cowboy figure. And that's what he wound up doing for his entire life to be, you know, I mean, he did other roles, of course, but he was always a prime pick for a support role as a cowboy. Mm-hmm. I know you heard in, uh, in an episode of the uh, original Twilight Zone TV series. Ah. Uh, he uh, was, uh, I guess he was kind of like a New York sophisticate. Uh, all I know is he spent the whole episode in a tuxedo. And <laughs> typical Twilight Zone type script, he was, everywhere he went, he kept hearing this tiger growling. And finally the tiger showed up at his apartment door. But oh. he, he was very good at that uh, at in, in that, as he was, and anything yeah. he did. Yeah, he was. He was. Well, Ken, are you going to be up later, too? Yeah, I'll be here. All right. So maybe you could give us a call and sneak in later. Okay, I'll do that. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling. It's great fun to talk with you. Yeah, I enjoy talking with you, too, folks, too. Hey, Ken. I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'll bet you're, you're glad you're feeling better. <laughs> yeah, as yeah, uh, you and I uh, uh, talked back when uh, you were in the hospital with your heart there, you just can't get any rest in a hospital. I, it doesn't seem right somehow, but you just can't, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you're home, and you're sleeping, and you're in your uh, own bed, and that's, that's- important. That's the main thing, right? That's the main thing. Okay, Ken, so maybe we'll get to talk to you later. Okay. Terrific. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're down to 10 more minutes in our short segment show. And it's almost 10 before 9 o'clock here on the West Coast. Now, next Saturday, Patricia will have the night off. I'm not going to be here. I'm being sent to my room. She is wandering the streets of Florida. (laughs) Oh, this is good. If you see a way for an orphan out there, it's me. Please take me in and feed me. All right, Carl, you are on the show. Hello, this is Marilyn Ebert. Hello, Marilyn. Hi, Marilyn. Marilyn is in Texas. How are you doing? Fine. What do you think of Patricia wandering the streets of Florida next Saturday night, not knowing what to do? Uh, oh, are you? Is she going to be off next week? Yes, yeah, she's not going to have anything to do. I'll be well, up. In, 
Yeah, yeah Walden is going to be broadcasting live from a convention. I'm not at the convention, so I'm getting sent to my room for that day. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Thank you for feeling sorry for me. Uh, by the way, uh, you, you, to me, you are the queen, the king, the queen of old time radio. Woohoo! Oh, wow. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. I she, graduated from princess. This is super. Thank yeah, you, Marilyn. You know, she's right up there with Queen Elizabeth, Queen Patricia, um, and Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> I don't own a castle. Maybe we could do something about that. <laughs> yeah, you don't have her her annual stipend, do you? <laughs> no, I think you and I could probably survive for a couple of years on a monthly. You know, I know for a month. Yeah, I want to. Yeah. I wonder if she's ever gotten an increase in the last few years. If she's ever gotten what? An increase in her stipend. Oh, oh. Oh, you know when you guys ask me, ask uh, people what they did stupid. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. I, I just, I just got, I just got through talking to you, and then um, I went, I went to make me a. One of my favorite kinds of coffee, of the candy cane coffee, and I uh -huh. forgot to put a cu I forgot to put a cup underneath the the uh, pot. Uh oh, that, that would qualify. <laughs> that that qualifies. That that's a good on the list. Last week I asked people what the dumbest thing we ever did, and I had a whole bunch, but and you know that's a, that's a good one. We'll put that one on the list, Marilyn. So I wasted one of my Keurig cups, you know, or my oh. cups. Oh, no. You, there, there's no way you can retrieve that. You can't pick up a carrot and wash it off. You but. can't stick a spoon down there and sop it up? I mean... No, <laughs> <Just laughs> actually, with a, it, with a it went the, the little tray that the, the cup is supposed to go, where the cup is supposed to go. Yeah. You know. Uh-huh. And I probably could have dumped it out. I probably could have taken the lid off the tray and dumped But the tray was kind of, you know, you're not supposed to use coffee after you, or, off, you know, the... We use it or whatever. Yeah, so I just had to Suck put the cake up away and throw every, the water away and everything. Oh, man. So, oh, wow. What a mess. That's a mess yeah. to clean up. Yep. All right. Do you have a favorite singer? No, not a favorite singer. Who is the best singer, do you think, you've ever heard? Bing, Bing Crosby, I think, you know. Really? You're a Bing kid. Yeah. Yep, yep, I sure am. How about, uh, give me two Bing Crosby songs that you just love. Uh, Maria, the, uh, uh, the, the one where he sang in that... Uh, uh, I can't remember what movie it was that he sang that in. Um, was it Christmas Going My Way? Uh, okay, okay. And I liked uh, the I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. Yeah. That one? Sure. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. So you're in the Christmas category. So when we have Christmas in July, you're going to be a very happy camper. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> we have something to look forward to here. So, what has your weather been like? Um, it's been cool, rather cool, you know. 
It's been in the thickest relative. Oh. What, the, what do you consider cool? Uh, I think in the 60s or 50s, you know, I like that's That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I agree. That's that's two sweaters and one heater. So what, you know, what... what? Can I ask you another question? Sure. Okay, how do you get through Mother's Day if you don't have a mom, you know... Uh, wow, that's a great well, question. Well, for me, it's remembering good things, and that helps oh. a lot. Yeah. I, I, I think some people probably just honor people who are other, they know their mm-hmm. moms. That's another way. It's sort of a, a tribute yeah. to yeah. mom. You know, there, I, I have thoughts about people when, when we lose them here mm-hmm. physically, when we, yeah. when we lose yeah. people. It, it creates what I think is a hole in your heart. Yeah. The hole gets smaller. It never goes away, but the hole gets smaller, and that's right. replaced. That's replaced with good things, good memories, um, the the things that made you happy with that person. Uh-huh. So gradually, the hole will get a little bit smaller, and the good uh-huh. memories. Will take me, away. like on Mother's Day, when I used to I used to call her on Mother's well. You know, I called her on Mother's Day last year, and now I can't call her anymore, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marilyn, do you know someone who is alone who would appreciate a phone call to say, I was thinking about you on Mother's Day? Oh, there's a lot of friends in church that I go to that are, well, uh, you know, they, they live yeah. by themselves, you know. But. Well, you know, that might help both of you calling someone who is essentially alone mm-hmm. and say it's Mother's Day and I was thinking about you would be a gift to someone else that might help you yeah. feel better about the day yeah that's sort of what we sort of somewhat do during Thanksgiving Christmas if we know people who are living alone we mm-hmm. sort of invite them to come over because you know yeah. it's it's, for a lot of people, the holidays are a hard thing to get through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is when you sort of reach out to people, you know, to say, hey, I'm thinking of you. And I think that's always mm-hmm. important, just to know yeah. that you're thinking. Uh, about I mean, like, since I lost her in March, you know, it's kind of going to be hard this year. Or, yeah. You know. Yeah. The first one of everything is yeah. always hard. Yeah. Always hard. Yeah. You're going to do fine, and we are going to be here with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Marilyn, I'm so glad you called in. Bing Crosby is okay. on the list. We've got quite a list okay. going here. And Patricia, right. has, and Patricia hasn't put a name on the list yet. No. no. I haven't. I know. I wonder you're going to get away without Why that. Why you ask me what show I want to want for my list. Oh, okay. All right. Cinnamon, uh, cinnamon Bear. The Cinnamon Bear. Yes, you yeah. did ask me for Cinnamon Bear, and I do have Cinnamon Bear, and you will get Cinnamon Bear. Cross my little heart. Okay. With chocolate sprinkles? With chocolate sprinkles, <laughs> yes. Oh, good. <laughs> uh-huh. I will send the Cinnamon Bear with chocolate sprinkles. Oh, okay. Make sure it's sugar-free chocolate. <laughs> 
Make sure what? Sugar-free chocolate. Sugar-free chocolate. <laughs> Sugar, this is true. Sugar-free chocolate. And if you are if you like chocolate milk, Hershey's makes the greatest sugar-free chocolate syrup. Oh, really? Oh. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. I'm going to have to have my husband find it, you know. Yep. And on, on top of ice cream and stuff, I'll bet it's good. I haven't had it that way, but I like chocolate oh. milk sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I like chocolate yeah. milk sometimes, so... That's that's a real treat for me. Yeah. Okay, you know, Marilyn, there's a way I know when Patricia had to make a grocery store run. You know how I can tell when gro- when Patricia needs to go to the grocery store? How? <laughs> okay. We're, we're both, we're, uh, ask Patricia, does she have any milk in the refrigerator? Patricia needs to go to the grocery store? Yeah, milk. Yeah, I do. This week I have milk in the refrigerator, but if the answer is no, I have to excuse myself and go to the store and get milk. Oh. That's what I have to to decide after me with Patricia all these years. A house without milk is not a home. That's right. Once Patricia runs out of milk, she'll have to get out of the apartment to go somewhere. (laughs) I have to put shoes on. (laughs) Yep. This is true. They don't let you in a supermarket with no shoes. She can run out of everything else practically, but once it's milk, I notice, then she she forced herself to make the run. Yeah, then it's really serious yeah. stuff. We're into serious stuff. Well, Marilyn, I hope you have a better week this week, and okay. we will be here. We will be here next week. Okay. No, we won't. We're not I, going to I'll be, be here. Next I'll week. be here, but Patricia will be wandering the streets of Florida. Yes. Oh. Somebody. Somebody will feed me. That's right. Oh, so next next week it'll just be Walden. Yep, it'll be me and John and we'll be broadcasting live from the convention up in Seattle. So right oh. now, so right now, what you'll be hearing are the Fibber McGee and Molly recreation and the My Fed Irma recreation we'll do Saturday night. So we'll be broadcasting those live. I can talk to, I, I can talk to John and Larry next week or... No, nope, we'll, we'll, we'll be all in Seattle, so we won't be able to take phone calls. So uh, oh. it'll just be Friday, we'll be broadcasting on the Blue Net all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning in Seattle, and then up to then flying home and do the show Sunday night from L.A. I mean, oh. California. So that's where we'll be next week. Okay, because one of these times I want to call, I've never talked to John and Larry, you know, I've never talked to them on the phone, you know. So yeah, mm-hmm. well, they're... they're te- you, you take calls on Friday nights, don't you, Walter? Uh-huh, they're intimidating, you know, they don't bite, so yeah, I think you can, I think you can manage it, Marilyn. Okay. Yeah, on a Friday night, it'll be great. Friday nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can hear your radio in the yeah. background, and it's it's oh, distracting. Right, that's so. okay. Well, we'll yeah. talk to you soon, Melon. Okay. Take care. Thank All you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We are on to our next session of the show, everybody. It is, uh, Which is? Two minutes after nine. And we'll just take a call, too, just to see where it goes. Uh, we have and we have a new caller out there. Yeah. We are expecting at least one tonight. Tom, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He maybe he'll protest. Maybe. Hello there. You're on air. Walden, it's midnight. John, you're awake. <laughs> this is John in Maryland. How are you, John? I'm trying and trying and trying to call. <laughs> Well, now you you, uh-huh. you got in the right time. Well, first of all, John, do you have your pajamas on? Yes. Okay, so we know. 
Nothing like personal. Yeah, <laughs> and have you brushed your teeth? Have you brushed your teeth? Okay, so we're, so we're not on the clock. So we all have to rush through the call because you've already taken care of the important stuff. <laughs> Letting know yeah, we, won't, making, we won't ask the third one. <laughs> I'm making notes of all the questions. I know. Three weeks. Oh, you got answers for all the last three weeks? I got questions and answers. Oh, my gosh. Okay. okay, well, what are the questions and then what are the answers? <laughs> well, last night on your lousy show. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> You got a new title, The Lousy Show. I think that might I be... I like that better than Awful Show. This is a lousy... <laughs> this is good. Okay, what about The Lousy Show? Well, you said that you didn't have much information about it, but... Okay. From w, it was from WXYZ. Uh-huh. 19... It was 19, I think it was 1935, and it had some of the... Uh, performers that played on the Lone Ranger, the Green Hornet, and I recognized, I can't remember his name, Walden, the one who sells the eggs to the cast. Yeah, Paul Hughes. Paul Hughes. Paul Hughes. No, last night, he was on that show last night. I this see. is the awful show that John is talking about in the name of the law. Yeah. If all of these people were known actors, they should have been ashamed of themselves. They were basically selling chickens. It, he played the son of the woman who got poisoned. Okay. I, I said, I listened very close. I said, that's him. <laughs> so it's got to be WXYZ, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, there's always somebody who can bail me out here. That's great. Okay, now, what did you think of the show itself? I'd say it was poor. <laughs> Does it? Did it sound lousy? Uh, I wouldn't say it was lousy. I'd say it was sounding poor. Uh, was it awful? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it was awful. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. <laughs> Boy, you're a hard taskmaster here. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I recognize some of the actors in the, in the cast. I'll be darned. Well, see, I thought they should have been ashamed of themselves. Well, listen to it again, and you'll hear him. He played. I want to listen to it again. <laughs> I already had to listen to it two times. <laughs> do, I, well, do I have to go back? Anyway, Walden. Yeah. My my favorite singer. You asked me. I think you ask that every year. I know. I know. I think Patricia asked at the time, so I figured. You know, new because it came from Patricia. So what? What is it? It never changes. It's always going to be Kate Smith. Kate Smith. All right. Oh, there you now, go. I think I think that I think that is Patricia going to be in Patricia ballpark. So that'll that'll make always, the short list for sure. Yeah, Kate Smith. So, always going to be Kate Smith. Okay, now give me the, your favorite top three Kate Smith songs. God bless America, number one. Yeah. When the moon comes over the mountain, yeah. and sang a, a multitude of songs. Uh, she sang a multitude of songs. She sure did. Because I used to listen to her show on the radio, and I listened to it. I watched it on television. She did a, a fabulous, fabulous um, 
silver bells. It was so good. What and she did it repeatedly, and each time she did it, it was wonderful. What I mean, I'm really surprised, to be honest with you, with her wonderful career mm-hmm. and how long it was. We just don't have that many recordings, considering how much she recorded, I think. You're right. How come? I don't know. I don't you know. You know everything. It just, it just, it just seems sad that she was on for so much, and really to think about what we she produced and what we have from that period, it's not that much. I, I maybe Ted Collins didn't bother to spend the money to to, re, to save the recordings. I don't know. It just, it's very sad to me. Well, he was a very strict person with her, so yeah, he was very strict with her. That's true. He, he, he called all the shots. Well, now, yeah. look at here. And I do have a Kate Smith CD to give away one night. And, and you know, and you Smith, Danny Boy, The White Cliffs of Dover. Stars Fell on Alabama, God Bless America, Rosie O'Day, Blue Tall yeah, Rose, Fly. Was one of her she had a hit record on that, Rose O'Day. On um, um, that one, and Down in the Valley, and that's only, only on the first page, and I've got 55 pages here. So it looks like we have more than has been put in front of us as popular, fun things to listen to. Maybe so, but I'm just thinking, she was on radio for 31 to 57. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're thinking of the radio, radio, well, um, that, that, radio shows? Radio shows, it's less than 10. And okay. really, and even her recording career, she wasn't, I don't think she would, you know, probably a lot of singles, just not a lot of albums were made out of her stuff, I, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and the albums that we have now, I wonder if they were assembled later. I see 369 albums, which is not anything to brag about right. as a, a singer like Kate Smith, and I'm guessing a lot of them were put together after the fact. I would think so. Wow. I, I had not thought about that. Hmm. I have Bye. dreamed. John, do you recognize that one? I have dreamed. Do you recognize that one? No, I don't. The Wreck of the Old 97. Oh, I remember that. You do? I never heard of it. It still had, that was like Casey Jones type of song. You know, where he wrecked the train and his hand was still on the throttle. Oh, yeah. Oh. But I had a nice story for you. If, if I wrote it down, sure. Remind me when you had the interview with Del Sharber. Yes. They were talking about commercials. He was talking about you know how we advertised. Right. And uh, he was advertising uh, Primo cigars. Right. And he said that they had to get permission to use the word spit. <laughs> Remember? Yes. Yeah. Spit. Oh, Trying to use the word spit on the radio. Correct. Do you know Belly was also one that was a no-no? I learned that from Fibber and Molly. He, Fibber would get to a point where he would have a, a word that he needed to run, like jelly. Mm-hmm. And it, he would get to 
the word that you knew was supposed to be belly, and Molly would say, uh-uh-uh, you know, uh-uh. <laughs> and apparently that was a word that was off the list as well. Well, the reason, the reason uh, I got a story about that is that was my mother's first job was rolling cigars. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Where, where was this? Uh, this is... This, it was in Baltimore, Maryland. She t- took her a while to get there. But uh, you got paid by the amount of cigars you made. I guess that was peace. Peace, uh, peace work. Wow. And did she, did she ever talk talking, about the process? I'm talking about, a, I'm talking about 100 years ago now. And uh, one of the things that I remember her telling me, you know, when we talked about, well, what did you do when you worked and all, you know, and she said, well, I made, she made monu- what they call monumental cigars. And what she did when she told me about that, when you rolled the cigars, you had a little bowl of water in front of you where you would put your fingers in when you rolled cigars. You know? mm-hmm. But she said it was quicker to spit your, put your fingers in your mouth and roll the cigars. Oh, <laughs> I would think so, but geez, the fingers must have tasted terrible after the first couple of rolls. I know, she says it was easier and faster, because you've got paid by how many you made. Yeah. And by the time you dipped in the water, they just put, stick your fingers in your mouth and roll the cigars. Yeah. And she was telling me yeah. now, cigars. Did she, did she tell you how many she would make in a day? No, I, I didn't ask her how many, but... Uh, uh, she would get paid by how many she made, and mm. she was, and that was the quickest way to make them. And, they, and that's why that Del Sharpe said about that commercial. He used the word "spit." There's no spit in Prima cigars. <laughs> no spit. <laughs> that's funny. And I had, that's really I had funny. Think about my mother telling me about how she rolled cigars. Wow. When she was younger, I think she was about fifteen or sixteen. Wow. So, uh, do do you know anything about the cigars that she rolled? Uh, no, other than the fact that they were what they were called monumental cigars. I'm I'm sure they don't make those anymore. Just that brand, um, yeah. you no know, Panatellas or Cuban style or where did the tobacco come from? Well, the the, the factory. Well, it wasn't a factory. It was more like a, a storefront. Mm-hmm. And they they were located near the waterfront where the tobacco would come from Southern Maryland. You know, they had to um, uh, you hear the word Marlboro Country. Well, there's mm-hmm. a county. There's a county in Maryland called Marlboro, Maryland, and that's uh, where the, the uh, tobacco farms are. You still I they, did not know that. If you take a shortcut to the shores like we do when we go to the ocean, we we stay off of. Uh, the main road, we take back roads. If you take the back roads, you can still see uh, the cigar the, the cigar farms, I mean the tobacco farms. Mm-hmm. The leaves growing in the field. But it's not like it used to be. You had to look for them now when you, when you go driving through there. It's Marlboro County. <laughs> I never knew that. I, I always wondered where they came up with this unusual or oddball name for a a cigarette brand. Well, I'm not saying that's what they did, but that's where the tobacco farms are in Maryland, near Marlboro County. 
That's How else terrible. could they come up with that kind of a name? Marlboro Country. Huh. I never knew that. Well, then, did you know that? Never did. Uh-uh. Hmm. You can look it up on uh, your, your computer. It's Marlboro, Maryland. Okay. Just tobacco. a minute. Homework, homework, homework. There's a port tobacco. Marlboro... Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Yep. Let's see. Print and driving, local government, site of. Let's see if it, Marlboro. And let's see if it's got cigarettes in there. Marlboro population. <laughs> I, I put in Marlboro, Maryland cigarettes. And what comes up is, how much does a pack of cigarettes cost? <laughs> oh, my God. So, I'm not, I can't find anything about Marlboro Country. I can't say that word. John, say that Mar word. What, Marlboro? Yes. Marlboro, America. I, I guess we're yeah. used to saying it. I cannot say that word. I have to say Marlboro. It, it's very hard for me to get my mouth around that one. Something like Louisville. <laughs> Yeah, Louisville, I can say. Marl, it's the R-L together that gives my mouth a problem. You're Marlboro. <laughs> Marl. Marlboro. Okay, well, I can, yeah. I can dig with hey. that. Okay, so we, last week we had a question about the stupid stuff. Did you ever do anything really dumb? I did, but some of them I couldn't repeat. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, do you have one that you can repeat? One. I could tell you one. Uh, it's not bad, but it's not known by very, very few people know about this. Uh -huh. I, used, I, used uh -huh. work, I used to work in a chemical lab. Okay. Years and years and years ago. For the steel company, I worked in the chemical lab. <clears throat> and I didn't do anything with chemicals, but I could have. Oh, I remember. You were quality control area? Well, that was later on. That was later okay. on. Okay. Uh, when I first started out, one, one of my our duties was to order chemicals because you had to order mm -hmm. them. Periodically, you had to order chemicals. Mm -hmm. And you got a catalog. I think it was for Fisher Scientific. And they would bring in what they needed, and we had to order it for them. And while looking in the catalog, I saw this titanium, well, <laughs> titanium tetrachloride. I don't know if you would recognize that word. But titanium tetrachloride is uh, an ingredient they use to make paint. Okay. During, during World War II, they used titanium tetrachloride to make smoke screens with the battleships. Uh-huh. When it, when it come in contact with salt water, it would just plumes and plumes of white smoke. Oh, my well, goodness. Okay. That would be, that would be kind of neat to order something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. And when it came in, it was only a couple of small bottles. We figured they wouldn't notice a couple of small bottles and a shipment of chemicals, you know. So we fished it out, and we were going to put it in. We were going to put it in our locker. And take it home later on, and you know, just put small tabs in water. It makes smoke, big deal, you know. 
what happened was we dropped one. <gasps> it wiped out the whole building. <laughs> the, alarm, the fire alarms were going off, and my boss was at lunch. And he came back from lunch, and he sees a fire engine sitting in front of the lab, and all these people opening all the windows. Oh, my word. And uh, did, I could have gotten fired for something like that, but I didn't. Did you guys get caught? No. No. They, did they never, they never found out who did it? No. Oh, you little rascal. <laughs> no comeuppance that, here. Boy, I wouldn't have admitted to... I have to tell you, it it probably would sound dishonest for little old Pollyanna over here. I wouldn't have admitted to it. Uh uh-uh. uh. No way. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, what oh my goodness, did you see this mess? Gee <laughs> whiz. No. There's nothing much stupider than that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. We'll put that one on the list. That's a good one. And I had a I had one here for a while, and I just found out tonight, I was watching, uh, listening to a radio show just before, well, was at 9 o'clock, who comes in, Bell, was it Bell? Yeah, Greg Bell, uh-huh. Great, Greg Bell, and at the end of his show, they were talking about, uh, oh, that he was broadcasting the, uh, that program behind the microphone. Right. And uh, they were talking about... Uh, People calling in when uh, Ken Strong from the New York Giants was in serious condition and con- you know was, may not make it, mm-hmm. and people were calling in you know and, and finally made it when, when he saw all the telegrams and letters that he received. Grand McNamee, that's what it was, right. and uh, he he said that he received all these uh, get well cards and letters and all that he recovered. So then. At the end of the show, they they said, "Glenn Strong, what was he? What was he famous for?" And then after the commercial, he came back on, and he said, "He was the only player." And this says the only player. Uh, Ken Strong, he signaled for a fair catch, and he didn't score a touchdown. What did he score? Uh, a safety. He never moved the spot. It would have been a touchback. Uh, and at the point? No. And it wasn't a touchback. Okay. Well, that, that and, that's pushing the other team. Uh, a field goal? Oh, if you go, you're right, a field goal. But it was, uh, he did it by himself. I wonder how he did he do it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, what did he do, catch the well, pass and then kick it? Is must have been. You know, something. Oh, he, it's, it's called a drop kick. Right, the drop kick, yeah. So, so he caught a pass and then did a drop kick? Yeah, you take the ball in both hands. And yeah, I know what a drop kick is. You drop it. and it just, when it, just as it hits the ground, you kick it. And it spins right. here just like a field goal. It great distances off of those because I think... Red Grange kicked 170 yards one time. Yeah, a lot of time, what the, the a lot of time it was a quarterback or a halfback in the 20. Uh, they would they would call a short punt or drop kick it, and a lot of time it normally was for punting rather than any offensive weapon. So uh, yeah. so he was able to kick a field goal out of it. 
I did not know you could do two plays like that with a single person. If you make a fair catch, you can make, you can attempt a but they usually a fair catch. It all depends on what. All right, can can a pass receiver who has the ball catches the ball? Can the pass receiver pass on to another player? Yes. If it's behind, he can. Yes. If I'll be behind. Do you have do you, have you ever maybe you should see this, Patricia? Did you ever watch no, it? No, Yes, you should. <laughs> it's the famous 1983. Cal Berkeley Stanford football game. And I need to watch this. You should too, see right? this on YouTube. What it is, it's famous. Okay. Um, Stanford scored a winning touchdown. The game was almost over. So they kicked the ball off, and the game would be over once they, you know, once they tackled the football, the Cal player. Yeah. Cal threw six laterals. Yeah. Getting to the touchdown, and the Stanford band thought the game was over. They, they start marching onto the field while they're trying to ca- tackle the Cal football player, and he scores the winning touchdown. <laughs> and it's so famous, it's on YouTube. You should fire it up right now. It's one of the most uh, legendary plays that of, a, of the famous Cal-Stanford football game in 1982 or so. And it was six laterals that got it down there. Yeah. Unreal. Yes. <laughs> okay, you know, that's actually something I probably would want to see. <laughs> Please don't let it out, though, okay? It'll just be a secret between yeah, the two of us. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're never going to see anybody in the majors make a drop kick, that's for sure. Yeah, true. I'll but, be darned. But, it, but it's a rule. You can do that. If you make a fair catch, you can attempt a drop kick. We had a football I game. I did not know that. So if I it's legal, how come it's not done? I found that's like. Well, I guess you, you got mooses like Rosie Greer coming at you. That's yeah, true. Not. Yeah. Well, you don't use that offense play too often anymore. Not too often. Yeah. We had a football game today. Whoopee. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're, the floor is yours. It was spring. It was spring ball. So the basket played. So we liked that. So that's okay. All. That's all. Who won? Well, the basket did. They beat themselves. What? They had seventy-six thousand people in the stands and to watch practice. Oh, uh, oh! Are you serious? Oh yeah. My gosh, there are teams that would beg for that for an entire season. And they all pay ten dollars a head to see practice. Oh my word! That's seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars right. for a practice game. Right. <clears throat> I'm in the wrong business. Well, then, Shame on well, you. Well, then one one more, and I'll let you go. All right, John. What makes Honus Wagner's baseball card? Uh, you know the story behind. Yeah. Why they stopped making them? Right. That makes it so valuable. I, I, I know the answer. You want see Patricia knows the answer, or you want me to give the answer? Tell me, tell me the question, because I missed a word there. Honus Weiner. Why is Honus Weiner's baseball card so valuable? Oh, you, I don't know. You, I think you knew, because you gave this out one time when you were looking up interesting. The last time I knew it was trade for a million dollars. It's basically because at that time he didn't give permission to tobacco companies to right. publish a baseball card of his likeness on. 
and he had him stop it. They made less than a hundred, and at those time, baseball cards were in t- tobacco uh, packages. This this was in what they called um, uh, these, they were cigarettes. They were cigarettes without the paper. We, they called them um, uh, sweet corporals. Mm. And Honus Wagner's picture was on the card when he bought them in the pack, and. Uh, he, he told him he didn't want his picture on that anymore because he says it may lead children to smoke. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want that put on there anymore. So they never made another one, and that's why they're so valuable. You tag now, them any kind of money you want for them. I have yes. to tell you, Walden, that's not one I looked up. Mm-hmm. This I is mem- new information I, me. me. I remember you did that one about six years ago. Well, I'm asking your baseball question six years ago. Somebody, no, no, no. I, no, I, mean, I recognize the name, but I don't I, recall the that. You were looking up interesting things. You you know how you like to look up what things go for sometimes. Yeah? And that's oh, what, is that what it was? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Because when Gretzky bought it for a while, the famous hockey player. Now I remember. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so when you, when, you know, John, I think we need to ask Patricia for her analysis today, don't you think? Of what? <laughs> don't you think we what should? What am I analysis thing? Don't you think we should ask her, considering she is a professional in, in this field? <laughs> of what? Of what? Of what? What, what do you think? What, what do you think, John? You should we ask her? I think we should. Yeah. Okay, Patricia. What's your, what's, your, what's your opinion of today's master tournament right now? Who do you think going to win them all? Oh, my gosh. This guy, he can, he's setting a record. He's yeah. going to set a record, right? Yes, yes he and is. What, what's his name? Sp- Speeder, Spider? Yes, um, Spe- George Speeder or whatever. Yes. Speeder. Yes, yes, yes. And he, he shot. Oh, my gosh. Um, this, last, this last round, I think, was a 64. Right. But he was within... One stroke of setting the record for the three games, and I guess there's a fourth one coming. And it looks like if he keeps this up, and he's got a very casual attitude about this, if he keeps it up, he's going to set a master's record. Right. So what do you think? So are are you impressed that I know? I, I know you knew. That's why I'm showing you off. How and, did you know? Okay, you are a golf expert. I mean, you're the only, you're, you've been a sports re- reporter. I mean, you covered the go- the big games of golf for our family. She <laughs> had she had to read that in the sports section. I know, but she you know she she covers it. I mean, she's thank just, you, John. You appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> she's very well rounded. She reads the sports section, so, everybody. So, I mean, I mean. Now we're talking Masters and Green Jacket and all stuff like that's that. Right, there. That's right. That's right there. And and Tiger Woods is out there saying you got to sop up the field a little. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and everybody's playing on the same course for goodness sakes. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. This guy even took it out of the rough. Do you know he hit the pin taking a ball out of the rough? Did not know. So, so everybody, you know what? But you, incredible. You, this guy is just magic. So you know what Patricia can be doing tomorrow afternoon, everybody? We now know. No, you don't. Well, yeah, she's going to be watching the Masters. No, she's not. We can she's going to wait for it to be over and then read about it. We can call her and give her a sports analysis on the Sunday night show. What do you think, Patricia? Not, oh, my goodness. I mean, really. I send her email. I know. We, she, she can send everybody her, her, uh, go, her golf report via email. <laughs> <laughs> to a broadcast email. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Every email. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, we can do that. Well, John, thank you so much for calling, and, and I I love your stupid story. That's that, a great one. The, the, your dumb thing, I think, takes the prize. <laughs> I kind of kept that a secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a secret no more. The people in England know it. <laughs> Everybody knows what you did. They'll be right over. Well, I won't be talking to you for a while, right? <laughs> Not two weeks. Uh, you have to wait two weeks. two weeks. Well, anyway, your story tonight, Walden. Yes. Bill Bragg told that the other night. Uh, like Elaine. Good. Well, uh, Keith, I'm glad Bill. Was, I'm glad Bill was listening. He paid attention enough what I said over the years. Good. Yeah. Good. He said it was thousand dollar sacks. Of well. Probably was, but I think he got his five thousand dollars page or probably thousand dollars sack that got brained over. Thousand dollars sack. Honest to goodness, they need a um, a, you know, one of those carts, a, a luggage cart to bring that stuff up. That had to be the way they. Oh did yeah. It. Well, yeah. I, I, you think they're even making silver dollars anymore? I don't know what um, to do because uh, the casinos only use money and they don't use money. They don't use money like that anymore. And I'm just thinking, no. slip of paper, right? You slip of paper. And I and now they're using more of the plastic thing, like a debit credit kind of thing. I just yeah. don't. I mm-hmm. don't think silver dollars are even being made. My mom was mentioning she read this week that they're planning to retire the Benjamin Franklin off the uh, currency here at Philly Show. You're kidding? No. What is he, the $50? Uh, right. And so, Mom, who's going to replace Benjamin Franklin with? Well, I'm not going to well. make him who they It's not the post office. I'll tell you what the post office messed up on in a minute. So, Well, John, thank you, and thank you for bringing such great information to us tonight. Okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, really, you come up with the greatest stuff. Thank you. Yeah, I'm way past my bedtime. I know you are. I'm getting ready to call us quits. Okay. Aloha. Aloha. We'll talk to you in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) This is good. Well, the post office, bless their little heart, issued a memorial stamp for Maya Angelou. Very famous lady, very famous poet, very famous writer, and she was just a delightful person. And if anybody deserves to be on a postage stamp, it's Maya Angelou. However, yeah. it comes with she's they've got a picture of her on the right, and on the left is an inscription of uh, a line from a book or a line, a, a quote from her. It's a quotation, and it talks about I know why the caged bird things except she didn't say it uh, it was somebody else and they put the wrong <laughs> they've got a wrong and incorrect um what, what did i just say an the incorrect quote, uh the, the quote yes I guess. and it wasn't even hers and they put it on the postage stamp now honest to goodness i have to tell you she she contributed to this uh by using different phraseology and different words along the way. And one of the presidents quoted it as her having said it. And I'm guessing that she didn't do anything to correct it. So I have to say that she contributed to this. 
But my goodness, before you put out a postage stamp, wouldn't you think that somebody would have done such intense research? There are even quotation sites up on the Internet. There's one guy who does nothing, nothing except investigate the origins of quotations and whether or not they're legitimate. Patricia has I spoken. This happened. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the post office can't either, but... Isn't that a who? That is something else. Hello, Carl. I you're just saw on, this week. You're on the air. Do you know that word, aloha? Aloha. I d- never aloha. heard of it. I never heard it. Now, aloha, it, is it true, Ron, that aloha means both hello and goodbye? Yeah, it could mean, like, it's like a greeting. It could be aloha or like a greeting. It's, it depends on what kind of, and what we call, uh, yeah. accent you would put on it. It, it, it would de- oh. depend there on you. Go. Aloha, that means, Hello. how are you, hello, and all that. And if the other way would be? Bye. Farewell. Hello. Aloha. Farewell. Yeah. Hey, listen, Walden. Yeah. You're right, this has been a very sad week. No it's way. been terribly sad. Stan Freeberg. Yep. Lon Simmons. Right. And, and... Ray Charles. Yeah, Ray Charles. I mean, what a rough week. It's been really sad. Um, you know, there, there, there is, uh, you know, and, and it was so ironic, Patricia and I were talking two weeks ago, how much Patricia loves Ray Charles' Christmas albums, and I thought it'd be fun to have Patricia talk to Ray about those Christmas albums during Christmas time, and we're not going to get a chance to do that right now. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I've had some musicians in Hawaii um, since January. I, I don't know if I told you, but I've had to play for eight different funerals. Oh, my gosh, Ron. Yeah, since January. And since I, January? Yeah. It's like oh, Ron. You know, and, uh, and I've had to visit a friend of mine who's on his last leg, a drummer, yeah, uh, in a in a hospice situation, and oh, it, it's been rough. And then, you know, you hear about Lon Simmons, who I admired as a sportscaster. He did Time Space with yep. Russ Hodges, yep. San Francisco 49ers football, Old Oakland Athletics, you know, and all kinds. Yeah, you know, yeah, he was. He was an icon, you know, and then you hear about Stan Freeman, the genius. The guy's a genius, you know, and then you hear about Ray Charles, and my gosh, which is, you know. I have a theory that when it, when it rains, it sort of pours, and I just sort of seem to happen in bunches sometimes, and... Uh, I know, I know they're going to a better place and all that, right. so that they're not suffering... Or whatever, you know, because Lon Simmons hasn't been feeling well for a while. Mm-hmm. You know. In fact, um, Lon Simmons had a home on the island of Maui, you know, and he used to live part, part of the time on Maui uh, Island. In, you know. Who are some of the more well-known celebrities who lived in Hawaii, Ron, that you knew about, that had a home in Hawaii? Can you give some... Uh, Oprah Winfrey. Okay. Um, let me see. 
Jim Neighbors. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. That's right. I, you know, he, he he lived. In fact, he still does live in a... I think he's still there, yeah. Yeah, he's still here. Yeah. And Ron, yeah, sure. That's right. There you go. Oh, we got it. <laughs> we got it. No, seriously, though. We've, we have some... A lot of people that probably come to Hawaii that come here for R&R. Rest and relaxation. Are there a place where most of the celebrities were hanging out to do R&R in Hawaii, their favorite hot spot or a famous hotel that most of them would go to? They they, they, they set some real swanky hotels on the, on the different islands and stuff. And they have any idea what the most expensive hotel might be? Well, my son works at a really expensive hotel. He's one of the managers um, and it's a Holly Colony Hotel in Waikiki. So how much does it cost to stay there? I'm ready. Several hundred dollars a night. It's a five-star hotel. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Bobby Brzee would tell me uh, when they were in England last year, the Savoy, you want the Savoy Hotel in London? You guys want to take a guess how much we're going for a night? How much? Twelve hundred bucks a night. Gosh. Oh, gee. And they stayed there? <laughs> Not that time, no. <laughs> I think I just, you know, I have a broken heart. Don't do these things to me. <laughs> I can't believe that. To go to sleep? I hope they spend the entire day in this place. <laughs> I mean, you don't go sightseeing when you're paying $1,200 for a room. You want to get the most of it. Where my wow. Where my son works at the hotel, uh-huh. they, they bought a, this guy. He's a leader from, I think, Korea or something. Mm-hmm. And he, he wanted a, a 40-inch television in his room, and he bought one. <laughs> bought one, put it in his room. And when he left, he gave it to the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to do something about <laughs> distribution is the problem here, isn't it? I just, I am blown away by stuff like this. I mean, I'm, I'm the first one to stand here and say, it's your money, you spend it the way you want. I'm just astounded at how many people do things like that. I know, I know. I mean, I've got a 10-year-old ten, ten television. It's not even digital. When I called to change service at the... Um, you know, my, my cable company? And I couldn't believe I didn't have a digital TV. <laughs> it's not broken. When it breaks down, I'll get a new one. <laughs> you don't have a digital. I mean, yeah, I know that. You mean, you still have them. You still have this analog television. Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> Where's it, I turn it on, and, it, and the picture comes up. I mean, who needs more than that? You know, now the TVs are really light, you know, Patricia. I mean, you know, they're, they're digital, well, high definition, they call it now. Mm-hmm. They're flat screen, and they're yes. really light, easy to carry around. Um, I mean, if this thing goes down, I'm going to need to hire somebody to get it out of the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, I pick it up to, you know, I, if I have to move it or, you know, like I'm dusting or something like that and move it, I think mm, I might be able to move it a couple of inches before I have to put it down. My gosh, this thing is heavy. You know, Patricia and Walden, did you 
ever play with um, YouTube? You know, yeah. And you can, you can, you can, you can ask for almost anything you want on YouTube. Like, oh, play me some my friend Irma. Mm -hmm. so, and then, and then it'll come up. Or I marry Joan. Right. Or uh, yeah. I like sometimes when I'm in the mood. If I don't have the music. I can put up some, some old songs that I like to listen to that might not have a copy. And there they are, you know. On YouTube, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. Well, what you can find on YouTube? It, I'm impressed with what I am finding on archive.org. Okay. They have a library of movies that is just knock your socks off stuff. They've got crime and mystery, and I love mysteries. I listened or watched Charlie Chan and Mr. Wong. The Thin Man, they don't have up there. They must be under copyright. Oh, but all of these I, great oh, old movies. I even saw a Red Rider up there. That sounds interesting. Archives.org. Yep. Uh-huh. And when, you go, when the page comes up, it will give you a choice of browse our collection or by keyword. And if you do by keyword... An alphabetical list of everything that they have in that category comes up, and it's wonderful. I, I found an Agatha Christie. I had ten little Indians the other night from Agatha Christie. I mean, it's wonderful. Who needs a television? And and they, and they play the whole movie on your computer. Whole thing. Wow, that's interesting. I gotta go check that one out. Archives. Dot org. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, sounds like fun. It's Everything. You can you can get the Beatles. You can get a book. I just if it's a Beatle book. In any kind of a medium, they've got it. Who's your favorite singer, Ron? My favorite singer. You know, I like I like Mel Tommy. I think the guy is a genius with his voice. What he can do. And he can play the piano. He's multi-talented. This is amazing. We have not had a duplication on this list. What is his best piece of work, Ron? Well, well, let's see. <laughs> yes, that's rolling on an open fire. What do you like best that he's ever done? He he, he did the Christmas song. Along, well, Nat King Cole made it popular, though, but he, he, Mel Torme, I, it's, a, it's, I have a whole sea of all kinds of stuff that he, he can do. He can scat. He made an album with George Shearing. I mean, mm -hmm. the guy is a genius. Who's a better scat singer, Ella or Mel? Both of them are good. I know they are. So who Both better? Who better? It's, I, well, you know, I, I would say Ella Fitzgerald is, yeah. is a queen of all scabs. Yeah. She, she does How High the Moon. It's just, a, it's just amazing what she does with How High the Moon. I wonder where they came up with the phrase scat singing. I mean, That's where... That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And I would pick Ella Fitzgerald with that as well. Oh, yeah. She is really... Mm. Well, you know, Mel hated his nickname. 
Remember when Nick Fogg? Yeah, he just hated oh, that. Oh, he doesn't like it. No, he just hated that. And I don't blame him. No. That doesn't sound too complimentary. The Velvet Fog. <laughs> How would you like to be called a Velvet Fog? <laughs> You, you do know what scat is outside of the music industry? What? Scat is a real word. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Here we get yeah. Scat is animal droppings, especially um, cats, like lions and tigers and panthers. What they leave behind for us to clean up is, is scat. So this was a really interesting word for me when I first heard it as associated with music. Let's see. Origin. Origin. Vocal style. We know what it is. Um, scat cat. I, I'll bet it was like a New Orleans. Cat when you went somewhere to black get music. away. Yeah. Get away, scat. <coughs> Could be wrong. I don't know. Um, I'm looking for the origin of the word, and it's not coming well, that's, up. That's, I'll tell you an inside secret. That's why Kitty Cowens quit Jimmy Dorsey. Because Kitty did not like scat singing, and Dorsey wanted her to scat, and he she just quit. Um, quit the band. And that's... Uh, some people, and nothing wrong with, um, you know, but some people, don't they don't feel comfortable. No, because she felt Jack Teagarden wanted her to sing the melody, and that's what she respected. You sing the melody of a song. And uh, Jimmy wanted her to scat, and she just refused to do it. Uh, and, you know, nothing wrong, and it's not demoralizing for her mm -hmm. to say, you know, she, some people just don't want to do it. <coughs> and it's not demeaning or no. was it, you know. I love Kitty Callen. So does Walden. Yes, yeah, sure do I, yeah. She was your godmother or something? Yep. My, my, second, my second mom. Yeah, That's right. very talented, very generous lady who uh, gave. We'll always, we'll always remember little things. Well, it mean a lot. Yeah, she was. Uh, she uh, she did not like being the number one star in the country, though, because it put pressure on you. She thinks a. Um, she thinks female singers generally have it a lot more rougher than a male singer because the expectation level. And she thinks because, you know, when you're a woman singer, you're worrying about being number one, and then you're also worrying about your home life, you know, your kids at home. And so she thinks it's always rougher for a female to be the, the number one singer in the country compared to a male. About five years ago, a good friend of mine died. Mm -hmm. I had to play for a funeral. But she had only one request, and she said, Ron, in her request, she said, when I die, I want you to play at my funeral your arrangement of Chapel in the Moonlight. And I had to put together a little arrangement of Chapel in the Moonlight, and, and she liked Kitty Callan's version, you know, yeah. of that song. And I know you said... Kitty hated it. She hated it. hated the song. She did it She did it only to save somebody's job. He said it was a, uh, 
a song blogger who had to get Southport and Moonlight recorded in order to save his job. Yeah. And she did it to him as a favor, even though she... But it became a hit? Became a hit. Became a hit for her, a but hit. she couldn't stand the song. And uh, I, I, I think more people like Dean Martin's version probably better, but... Uh, oh, no, my friend, my friend that died, she loved Kitty Callan's version. Yeah. And then I heard Dean Martin's version, and I gotta tell you, Walden, I don't, I didn't like Dean Martin's version, mm -hmm. and I love Kitty Callan's version with the organ yep. and all that kind of stuff in and I thought Kitty Callan did the song justice. And I'm sorry that she didn't like it, but I got to tell you, <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I really loved it. What do you do? As I'm plugging my cord back into my head so I can hear everybody. There, good. What do you do when you have to study and learn a song that you, you don't like? Because you know they're gonna, you're going to expect to play it. Okay, put it this way. If yeah. I like the song, I can really put feeling into it. If right. I don't like the song. <laughs> it's hard for me to really emote, you know. In fact, I tell you what, I'm going to hang up. But before I uh -huh. hang up, before I hang up, I'm going to play it. Chapel in the Moon. Alrighty. Okay, because I just feel like playing it. And I just um, wish that I could sing, but I can't. And so... <laughs> <laughs> we just have to... We'll have Patricia singing the song. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, you, here goes our audience. So we'll, we'll just have to go with what I can do here. Okay. So I'll improvise it, and here we go with my arrangement of Chapel in the Moonlight. Okay.
Broadway. Uh, I mean, he, he did it. If, if it could be done, he did it. Just a remark, and he was very, very ill. He was not a well person. And he did all of this. It was just incredible. So now I have three I have to have for lunch. Oscar Levant. How, how do you think John Daner and Elliot Lewis and Oscar Levant would get along? Probably very well. I think it would be a great mix. All three of them had a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And Oscar could play the piano for you. Oscar could play the piano. And I think putting the three of them together in the same room would just let me sit back and sit in the corner and listen. Mm -hmm. I think the three of them probably would have a great admiration and appreciation of the talents of the other two. Okay, let me ask you an interesting question. (laughs) Okay, if you knew that Patricia's dinner party was going to be with John Dana, Elliot Lewis... And Oscar Levant. Yes. What kind of preparation would you put into it? Mm. And what and what would you do to make sure it was a special day? You know, I don't think, this is an I don't think, I don't know anything uh, about them personally. I know a little bit about their personal lives. But with the exception of Elliot Lewis, who might have some expectations, I don't think any... I don't think they would care. So, in other words, you you would necessarily would you just arrange for a set lunch menu, or would you try to find out what they like? How would you make sure you were going to be the, the perfect? Oh, host oh I see, I see. Oh, sure. No, I I think that that would be a courteous thing to do. I don't think it would be necessary because when you're invited to somebody's house for dinner, you say okay, and you don't say what are we having for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think. <laughs> That's something that I would do. You know, tell me what you're having for dinner, and then I'll let you know if I'm going to be there. Right. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I would try to do that and see if there was a common favorite okay. among them. You know, if all three of them loved chocolate, for example, mm-hmm. I would make sure that there was a chocolate dessert. Okay. Or if one of them didn't eat beef, I would make sure it was chicken or pork. Okay. You know, that kind of stuff. But in, in terms of actually putting together a frou-frou dinner with 88 courses, and I don't, th- I don't think they would care. I think they would enjoy each other more than they cared about what they were eating. So and Pat- that's just my impression. So would Patricia have questions handy just to stimulate the conversation? I don't think it would need stimulating. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. I, I think... No, I, I think you would... You would probably just want to sit back and let it go. Uh-huh. Exactly. Just sit in the corner and listen. But if, some, if nothing happened, what would Patricia do? Oh, then she would just jump in and say, hey, I got a question <laughs> for you. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I would do that. Okay. I, okay. I would not run out of questions for those three. No. No. The only problem I would have is that we would eventually have to serve breakfast the next day, and I'd still be talking with them. I think that you would have a very good time. I would have a wonderful time with those three. You would. I think you would. And I think they would have a good time with each other. Mm-hmm. I think. Would you- Wouldn't it be terrible if two of them didn't like one of them? I bet there's been some dinner parties that that's been the case. What do you think? Oh, I think so. Yeah. 
I think so. And, and gracious and courteous people would just say, well, I can put up with anything for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> but not everybody has that attitude. Um, that really would be terrible, wouldn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, it would. Even if one of them didn't like the other two, it would be a catastrophe. I want to take you back so, to Kathy Lewis for just a minute. Ask me that again, please. I want to take you back to Kathy Lewis for just a minute. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting. Her personality is very interesting. Um, was she always so, I wonder, any, any role she played? You know what? You see where I'm going with it? I don't know where you're going with it. She just seems so, so aloof. Um, and, it, and it came through in just about every role I ever heard play in. What came through? Her aloofness. Her, uh, Ron, you're dropping off again. I'm sorry. Would you say that again, please? Her, Her what? Aloofness. Aloofness. Ah. Well, Walden, you can help me with this. Mm -hmm. From what I have read, she was a very private person and she, didn't particularly enjoy being in the middle of a group of people. Am I on target with that? Well, people didn't feel like they, she um, knew her. Um, She's very private, yeah. Well, she, I, you know, Lewis was even married to her, said he wasn't too sure he ever knew her. Um, a, uh, well, a, uh, I won't disclose the name of a, of a, of a, a friend of ours who told me this, but, um, Kathy had a theory that if you need such, uh, psychological help, you kept looking for the right doctor until you find what he was going to tell you, what he's going to say. So I think um, that was her theory, and you know she started out as a singer. Um, I think she had some severe health issues, especially in the fifties. You know she had to bow out of my friend Irma during the series because of her health issues. Yeah. Um, and she only made it to eighth fifty. She died in nineteen sixty-eight. Yeah. Eighth fifty. Yeah, she died of cancer. And so I I think. I think she's, in my book, one of the great five radio actresses of all time. Well, I would agree. Uh, I wonder if she, I don't, I don't think we, anybody really, um, I, I think she's sort of an enigma. Maybe because she died so young, we don't, we all have a radio buff, we really didn't get a chance to know her, meet her, or get a feel for us. It's just what we've been able to um, put together. Mm. And then, and then he married uh, really Mary Jane yeah. Croft. Uh, and then he married Mary Jane Croft. Right. Interesting, interesting actress. Right. I, I think. Yeah. I think Elliot Lewis was a. Uh, the, the interviews and people I talked to, I think Elliot Lewis is a pretty, pretty much down to earth guy who really did not have much of an ego issue. Even That's though I think very all of his. Complex. I think. I think all of it feels that he was a very talented man, but mm -hmm. I don't think he, I don't think he took himself too seriously. 
in terms of... But he was complex. Mm-hmm. Complex in the sense that he could do so many things. Right. That I can't imagine that in, in his professional life he had any identity. I mean, like, Phil Harris had an identity. Right. He, he was a comic with Jack Benny. He was a comic on Phil Harris and Alice Faye, or Alice Faye and Phil Harris, however you want to say it. But I don't think Elliot Lewis ever had an identity. He well, just did everything well. I think he felt his identity was a writer. He felt he was a writer. That was his... Yes, and I, and I understand that. You, I, I do. Um, and it's a shame that he flopped on the mysteries. Right. I mean, they, they were real. I couldn't even go to a third one. They just it ma- makes you wonder if he got trapped in the book contract. Remember, because he was saying, I have to put out so many. i just wondering if he realized it himself. But he signed the contract. Now, what you are know? we talking about here? Um, Elliot, Elliot Lewis did a series of nine, nine mysteries. And it was the, the same character. The first name was Fred. I can't remember what the detective's name was. Um, and it was it was a detective series, and they they just I don't know I I tried to I barely got to the end of the second one, and I I had cut him some slack on the first one and said okay well you know everybody who's out of the shoot on the first one you you cut him a little room here, yep. and then I got to the second one and the second one wasn't any better if anything it was worse, so I skipped it. And I really like mystery series where you get the same character in each book. Um, I, I just, I just couldn't okay. make it work. So let me throw this out to you. If he felt he was a writer, mm-hmm. and I think, I think we, his talent was in performing arts. Yeah, but if he, you think his true talent might have been short story writing rather than being stuck in a novel setting? No, I think his true writing abilities were in the performing arts rather than the literary arts. Right. I think, uh, and, and I think one advantage is it could be in short spurts, 30-page scripts, like writing for suspense or writing for those different mm-hmm. series, which yeah. is, it's a different animal than writing a novel for 118 pages or 200 pages. Um, and it's a different animal from writing a short story as well. A script is all dialogue. Okay. So, so what's the difference, my dear? The difference in terms of what? A short story. A short, a short story versus a dialogue. A short story is a short story. Now, you can do a short story in nothing but dialogue. That was one of the exercises I used to give my poor writing students, and they'd say, "You want what by next week? <laughs> I want you." to get accustomed to being able to tell a story without describing things. You know, you get people, you pick up a book and you hear, and she had brown hair and blue eyes and she wore green right. shoes that matched her. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. Weave it into the story. Like, you know, you don't have to give me a laundry list. So uh, doing something in nothing but dialogue is unusual in uh, a, a piece of fiction or even nonfiction, but it can be done. Well, I think a classic example is Philip Marlowe. Way Gerald Moore had these narrations of describing people. Yeah. Don't you think in a way that's a short story? The way he's, well, I walk into the bar, she's wrong, mm. way he gets in with mm. her brown hair, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but 
No, they're two entirely different genres. It's well, like comparing a, bi- a biography to a western. But 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 isn't uh, what I'm saying is, can you take a short story and strip it into a Philip Marlowe style and get away with it? It being a dialogue. Yeah, you driven. could get away with it, but you're you're still converting one literary form into another. So you would you would put an F on my paper if I did that. Yeah. Well, it depends on how well you did it and what you did, what you were trying to do. I would just put it on dialogue format. Well, you could do that. And I don't get tell the whole story in dialogue format. Yeah, well, that's what your requirements were. I don't have any requirements. You're telling me what you want to do. No, you said you you graded kids people paper from a short take a short story turn into a dialogue. No, I said they had to create a scene. With nothing but dialogue. Ah, okay. I didn't. I didn't get that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. that was. And, and I said, and and I want. By the time you're finished, I want you to feel comfortable having told me a story using nothing but exchanges. And I don't mean. Oh gosh, look at her walking down the street in that pretty little dress. Well, I want to be able to tell who's talking. You, you couldn't. They couldn't even say. At the end of a sentence, he said or she said. They couldn't even do that. It absolutely had to be nothing but spoken words. So those of us who grew up listening to radio like that, we might got an A because we're used to that dial. You you might have indeed. Yeah. But that that is a really hard exercise to do. You think about it. You're trying to tell a story with only people talking to each other. And you have no idea, except by the way you've created those characters, the reader has no hint or no inclination, no clues along the way who is speaking. Because we haven't said, Jane said X, Y, and Z, or he said, didn't have it. I had to get to the end of a scene without losing me in the middle if I format like a radio script, could I get away with it? Get <laughs> <laughs> away with what? Yeah, it, of course. Yeah, film the Molly script. I just put film Molly in the scene, and then mm-hmm. you go back and forth. Could I get a passing grade? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very similar. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You could do that. So, well, Ron, now that we have bored you half to death, we can say. We have solved every problem in the entire medium of radio. Hasn't it been fun? It has been fun. Honey, we're going to have a summer. We're going to have a summer course this year. Patricia teach the class the family how to write. It, it will be. Oh, a new- I'm sure they'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> we're taking votes, folks. <laughs> and I do I accept. Oh, please don't do that. <laughs> I will accept that. So. Well, Ron, thank you for being so entertaining with us. Well, we do we do what we need to do, and it's wonderful. It really is. Good stuff. Um, yeah, and I'll try to find something next week that I can... <laughs> we never run out of things. But I thank Ed for saying that this was the most awfulest show. <laughs> so cute. That was good. Thank you, Ed. Tell me about the, this, these mysteries. I don't. I don't. I'm not familiar with that. Before we go, tell. Uh, would, 
You know, Vern, I, I'm sorry. It must be my phone. Are you, talking, just kinda are you talking about Elliot? Are you talking about Elliot Lewis mystery series? Yes. I know, I'm not familiar with that. I'd like to hear that. Well, there really isn't a whole lot to say. He, he was Maybe a I'll former have... cop who got kicked off the force, mm -hmm. oh, and he right. picked up private detective work. Is This is what you're asking? Yes. Yeah, I'd like to hear okay. this. Okay, and the, and the cop named Fred, and I can't remember his last name, and forgive me, but Fred was a cop, got kicked off the force for something he didn't do, um, and the person he works, um, not in harmony with, but it would be like Ibarra with Philip Marlowe, Lieutenant Ibarra, um, he, they come into contact with each other along the way. Oh, and that guy was responsible for Fred getting kicked off the force. And he is newly divorced. He's living in, not a rat hole, but it certainly isn't the Ritz-Carlton. And he is working as a private detective. This private detective takes on some really strange cases. They were good cases. And the course of the story was okay. They were a little outlandish, but they were okay. But when we got closer to the end... It was like he was in a race to the finish line. And I wanted to say, wait a minute, what about this? <laughs> it, it, just, it just, everything came together. All of the clues that we had along the way came out in two or three pages, and that was the end of the story. Oh, my. I know. It, it, it was really a disappointment. And by about 50% of the way through, I knew I wasn't going to be happy if I continued, but I did anyway, because I respect now, Elliot Lewis. Now, what's it called? What is it Fred called? Bennett. Bennett. That's what it is. The Bennett, Bennett, the Bennett, Bennett series. series. Okay. Yeah, I might have to, I might have to try to find that, because I want to hear it. I don't even know. They're old. They're, they're from, like, 1980 is... One one of them that I read was from 1980, so I don't know if it was like really? 78 to 81 or yeah, yeah. And that's an era I I enjoy. I'm a little bit earlier than 1980, but I do enjoy that era of writing. And he just lost me on this. Just lost me. And we're not we're not talking about old radio here. We're talking about new radio. Then. No, we're talking about we're novels. We're talking about radio. This is um a book book show. Fiction. Okay. Yeah, a book. Oh. Yeah. So, and oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't say it quite correctly. I don't think they're on audio. I see. I see. Okay. I, I understand now. I'm, I'm, on the, I'm back on the right page now. Okay. And I, I didn't, I wasn't very clear. I should have been more clear. I, okay. Um, so that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, and I hope oh, there's I, somebody out there who loves the Fred Bennett series. And he did all nine. Uh, I'll have to try to look it up. It would be good oh. to find some reviews, you know. Uh-huh. Well, you uh, you two have a nice nice week. And, uh, we will. And I'll see thank you. Thank you bunches. We'll talk to you in two weeks. You're welcome, and thank you. Bye-bye. Enjoy the... Enjoy Thanks, the, Hope it goes well, too, by the way. I will. I hope so, too. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. That's right. Next week, Patricia's going to be wandering the streets. You know. yes, she's going to be hungry and looking for someone to adopt her for a weekend. That's right. Because the person who looks after her will be gone. I'm being abandoned. Oh, no. 
Hello there, you're on here. Hello, Walden and Patricia again. Hello, Jim. Hello, Jim in California. Yeah, well, you know, that's, there's a lot of debate about good actresses and bad actresses and good. I found it interesting uh, comparing audio and visual. A few weeks ago, Walden and John and Larry had the great radio director, Jack Johnstone, on, who has been a guest at Ace Birdback meeting and jack johnstone produced such things as yours truly johnny dollar and the shooter and the man called x and things like that and one of the great the one that brought johnny dollar back to life when bob bailey took it over and he was talking about his reminiscences and he pointed out he did a show called hollywood star time and he pointed it out that he had marilyn monroe on one episode of that show that he directed her and he said, I hate to destroy any illusions people have, but she just couldn't act on radio. I, you know, again, two different media. Yeah. yeah if that doesn't surprise me, she was a very visual person. When people looked at her face, they looked at her body, they looked at her body actions, and she couldn't do that on radio. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and she... Uh, and Ron and I have talked before about two radio shows, two people who you think of as visual comics, and when you really look at their radio careers, they didn't do that well on radio. One was Martin and Lewis. Agreed. An overwhelming success on radio. They certainly were. I, I think they did okay, though. You think they on did? Radio? I, think, I think they yeah. did okay. Abbott um, and Costello did. Um, a reasonably good. I liked Abbott and Costello better on radio than on in person. Than in films or television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Um, but and another one who did not. Many people say was not that successful in radio, and then TV really made him big was Milton Berle. Yes, he would definitely struggle on radio. There's no doubt about that. He and tried he, five oh, times. Pretty good, I thought. Didn't you? The forty-seven, forty-eight show. He, I don't even think that was too great either. I didn't think. I mean, he tried five different series. Yeah. And it was oh. just a struggle for him. <laughs> there comes a point in life where you say, five strikes and I should have been out." Uh, I would say, thank goodness that TV showed up for Milton Berle. I'll put it that way. Milton Berle was a television person. Right. You're right. Absolutely. But you think about it though, Milton Berle star was really a short period of time. He Think how much he lived off that TV series for the rest of his career. And a lot of it mm-hmm. was slapstick, right, on right. television. A lot of things he did were yes. yeah. right, and things like that. A lot of silliness. A lot right. of, it was silliness. He went back to vaudeville. We're on radio. Very good, yes. And dialogue and things, I guess. And I mean, Dean, Dean Martin was good on radio, but did you, you thought Martin and Lewis were okay on radio? You said what? Well, I thought it was okay. I mean, I I uh, I think I think Dean might have been a little better than Jerry Lewis. Because you think of Jerry as a visual comic, you probably do. Don't you? Mm-hmm. But I think I don't know if his squeaky voice, kind of demeanor he had going at that time, how well did it work on radio? I think it would help them with Dean's ability to sing a song. Oh, yeah, of course. And I think that helped the radio show. And just forget, that that radio show, if it were a Bob, lasted for five years. Yeah, you know, you got 49 to what, 54? Yeah. 54. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing food for thought on on, on that. Food for thought. I mean, there were some... Can, um, can we talk about yeah. Jerry Lewis's voice? Sure. Annoying. <laughs> How did you really I, feel about it, Patricia? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me think about this. Happy Lewis earlier, you know, <laughs> Patricia, that... <laughs> Molly was on television for that short 26 weeks. Kathy Lewis played Molly. In in, in which television series? The Fibber Me and Molly television series. I didn't know it lasted that long. I think Claire said it lasted 26 weeks, or maybe may not even 26 weeks. It lasted from September 59 to January of 60. Never, I never even saw it. Yeah, I did not. I, I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, and who was it that played Fibber? Uh, was uh, Bob Sweeney. Sweeney. Bob Sweeney played Fibber. And didn't didn't uh, Hal Perry play a neighbor? He played like, he played Merle Trivia. Oh, he played Merle Trivia. Okay. I bet on archive. What, what did Bob Sweeney do that I might recognize? Uh, he was part of the uh, there was a comedy team in radio called Sweeney and March, which. I didn't think it was all that great anyway, but it was, it was like a big attempt after the war. Mm-hmm. And then Bob Sweeney wound up being a well-known TV director, directing a lot of dramatic TV series. And he made guest appearances. He did a few gun smokes and things like that. How Marsh is best known for being the host of the 64 dollar question yes. TV game shows and things like that. Yeah, and uh, but, uh, but Kathy was Molly on that series. Hmm. Um and she did, you know, um, she, I guess she did a lot of guest appearances on different television shows. She probably did I Love Lucy's and things like that. What I have to say that her role as Jane on My Friend Irma, I could just feel she, she was able to convey the patience she had with Irma just so well. I mean, she... Well, I think, I think you couldn't beat the chemistry that Kathy Woods and... Uh, Marie Wilson. Marie Wilson had to get her, I thought. It was terrific. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but then again, you know, audio and visual are totally different. Uh, the Great Gildersleeve on television was a bomb. Mm-hmm. They tried to make him out a playboy, kind of, on the television. Right, because the director never saw it listening to the radio series, so he had no clue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it only lasted one season, I think. Right. Television. Uh, version. Um, you were talking also about, I would recommend, Patricia, that you read John Dunning's mystery novels. Uh, the, the detective Cliff Janeway, who's a book dealer in Denver, and was ex- Do you know you're not the first person who said that, and shame on me for not pursuing it. Thank you for the reminder. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, he, play, he was an ex-cop, and he collects rare books. He has a bookstore, that, and he collects rare books. Uh-huh. And he gets involved in crimes and mysteries and uh, among the books i think the first one is called book to die and the second one's called the Bookman's wake or it's one of those two the third one's the Bookman's promise and i think there's two others in the series uh, he started writing them in the uh, let's see was it the late 80s early 90s uh, but it, and it, it, it's it, the stories are generally set in denver where he lives and so, uh, and I would recommend, I've read all of them, Bookman's novels, and his name is Cliff Janeway. Well, how many are there? Let's see, one, two, three, four, I think five so far. 
Perfect. Maybe more since then. I don't know. The last recorded one was a few years ago. Now, let us see here. Novels, detective. Cliff, oh, he's got Cliff Janeway and other detective. Let's see. Cliff Janeway, one, two, three, four, five. Other detective novels, there are three. Other novels, there are two. And then, of course, the two nonfiction about radio. Wow. One novel he wrote about radio, I think it was called Two O'Clock Eastern Wartime, that set in World that's War II. 2001, yeah, that's what's here. I don't know, I haven't read that yet, but I would recommend the Cliff Janeway novels very much. Well, I enjoyed them. I will absolutely take a look at them because I love series mysteries. Just love them. Did you? I like the familiarity of having the same character come back and say, okay, I'm back, let's do this one. Other detectives that I'm going to ask you about, since you're a Florida person, did you enjoy uh, John D. McDonald's Travis McGee stories? Oh, I love Travis McGee. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. And that's another reminder. I never finished that series. I mean, you must have 12,000 of them out there. How many did he write? No, I'm not sure, but they all had colors in the title, like The Dreadful Sky and Cinnamon Skin and uh, The Empty Copper Sea and... The Green Ripper and the... Yes, every single one of them had a color in the title. Now, let us see. The Travis McGee series, let's see. Maybe they've got a whole list here. Travis McGee, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness! Oh, gee whiz, there must be 20 or 25 of them here. So we've got The Deep Blue Goodbye, The Nightmare in Pink... A Purple Place for Dying, I've read a couple of these. The Quick Red Fox, Deadly Shade of Gold, that was a good one. Bright Orange for the Shroud, Darker Than Amber. I mean, this is really good. There must be 25 or 30 books on here. Wow. Okay, you two could talk while I count. Yeah, I would recommend those. Those were very entertaining. I always liked... uh his adventures, and I, I think he had a, a partner, a friend named Meyer or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. Yeah, and he, had, and he had a girlfriend, and he lived on a boat in Sarasota, which is where he was from. And he won it in a poker, a card game, didn't he? The Busted Flush, if I remember. He might have. You're right. Yeah. And he, and he lived on it. He lived on the boat. Yeah, I would recommend well, really good series. Excellent series. Thank you for the reminder on that one as you well. You know, when Patricia writes her detective series... It's going to be yes. Patricia in the force. You know, that's 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 going to be her setting. Some women to tell. Look at the success that, uh, what's her, uh, Sue Grafton. Sue, I know. Sue Grafton, yeah. Yeah. It'll be you know, in another series, yeah. and not to be confused, did you enjoy the novels of the late Ross McDonald, who wrote the Lou Archer series? I don't know that series. Mm-hmm. Ross McDonald, he's, you know, he gets confused with John D. McDonald sometimes. Yeah. No, I don't think I know that series. Is it a single character? Is it a, a continuing series? I think Santa Barbara, but although he gives it a fictional name, the town, and he's a private detective. Uh, yeah, Santa Barbara is the setting for um, Sue Grafton as well. Mm-hmm. So those you might enjoy. Um, and uh, I was thinking of another one. Uh, you, you would really like... Um, um, as I said, the John the, the John Dunning mysteries are great, and two right. Three, I have uh, 
three radio books to recommend to you. One was okay. Ron and I thought he was a bit too critical. But I have three radio books to recommend to you on radio history. One, one, the most, one is one I always like, Don't Touch That Dial by J. Fred McDonald. Radio Programming in American Life, 1920 to 1960. It's an overview of radio history, and then he has chapters on... The first chapter is a general history of radio, but he also devotes full chapters to uh, comedies, detective shows, westerns, soap operas, journalism, and blacks in radio. And their social impact on the listeners and how the show's related to the average listener and the, the social messages within those dramas. And he, a very well-written book, Don't Touch That Dial. I don't know if it's still in print, but maybe you can get a used copy. I'd recommend that one. And Leonard Maltin wrote a book called The Great American Broadcast, the Entertainment Tonight critic, and Walden and Larry, John and Larry know him very well. Mm-hmm. And... There's a guy named Gerald Nachman who wrote a book called Raised on Radio. Ron and I weren't too impressed with that one because he seemed too critical of some of the radio show. I mean, he... But then again, he's a writer. You might agree more with Gerald Nachman than we did. I mean, you know, because you have a, a writer's eye for looking at these things. But he seemed critical of some... He seemed critical of shows like Sergeant Preston. He says about as excited... He once described Sergeant Preston as about being as exciting as being stuck in an iceberg or something like But I guess that's his own opinion. He has a right to his own opinion, but he does offer a different perspective. So all three of those radio books I would recommend. I may have somewhere in my vast collection, because <laughs> there are books I haven't gotten to, I think someone gave Don't Touch That Dial to me. And I haven't gotten to it. So I'll have to squirrel around and see if it's in one of the boxes that is sitting here with Walden's. Oh, me? Yes. Um, the other two I'm afraid to look in the car. I think I still have one. The other two. A box? True, but it's just. Yeah. Well, at least I'm with you all the time, Patricia. This is true. Malton's is very true. good. Leonard Malton's. The Great American Broadcast. Um, and he, you know, he. He uh, did some good interviews with people, and uh, Nachman was just a bit too critical of radio. But it just, but then he liked radio. I'll say this: he liked radio. He said it had more of an influence on him as a child in the movies or or uh, literature did. You know, growing up. So that's a good sign. Uh, I would recommend those books. Um, let's see what else was I going to tell you. Um, the, uh, uh, like I said, I enjoyed the Superman book. I'm still reading. Uh, I'm waiting to get that Patrick Henry book on cartridge. Uh, when I get it, I'll let you know more about it. Have you been able to find it at a reduced thing yet? I haven't looked. I'm so sorry. I did look. I did look. I did look. But I couldn't find it. Yeah. Yeah. There's also one I'm going to be getting soon that I've ordered. It's a book about our alphabet and the history of each letter and how it evolved. You'd probably really enjoy that one. That's fun. Well, who would think about having that as a topic? And when I a writer. Of the book, when I get it, a writer. Okay. <laughs> I ordered it. And it's about the evolution of each letter of the 26 and how, they, how they've been used. Uh, Ron was telling me, and I did not know this, that 
about he was weird. He was talking about Braille at one point, Louis Braille. The fact I did not know that the French language, where Louis, you know, Louis was from France. I did not know that French does not have a W. Ron told me. Huh. I never thought about it. Uh, I didn't know that. I guess they have twenty-five letters. I guess. But you learn, you know, you learn something new every day in this world. Uh, I, yeah. I'm getting the tail end of some. I know I'm trying to cover a lot of ground tonight. I heard Celeste say that Tony Bennett had passed away. Oh, uh, Tony Bennett, accompanist. Oh, he's a. Oh my God! I, I told one of my friends. <laughs> oh my God! I'm so sorry, Ronald. I, I told one of my friends. I didn't understand that. I, I'm sorry. No, and we then just, you have to go back and undo something. I guess you guys are calling your friend back and say Tony Bennett's still alive. Good. You know. I just I, mentioned it to Tony Bennett. The reports I, of my death have been grossly <laughs> exaggerated. Uh, there's some guy named Jim out in California saying I'm dead. Okay. I'm glad he's alive. Yeah. It, it's been such a bad week for losing people. What with Stan Freeberg and Ray Charles and yeah. I was gonna. And you know, it usually comes in threes. And I, I thought. Oh, Jane Bess is another one who oh, passed on. away. I, yeah. I, I misunderstood her. I. I, I yeah. I'm glad. But it was his companies. Uh, you know, Tony's been around since 1953. Even early, he had a record in 1950. 51, he had uh, Cold, Cold Heart. By yeah. the way, there is a radio show in your Spurdback General Library. He did a summer show with Rosemary Clooney in the summer of 1950 called Stepping Out. Mm -hmm. The 15-minute CBS show. It was a summer replacement for Club 15. Mm. And there's one show with him and Rosemary on it. God, I, I feel so horrible telling Ron something that, you know, I hate to tell people false stories, you know. I, you can, I, I'm sorry I got confused. Well, we Tony knows, we Tony's alive, so you're, you're okay, yeah. Jim. So you only have to make one phone call. If we had said it, we would have to stay on the air for the next 24 hours undoing the damage. Yeah. So you can do that. Yeah. One phone call. Well, I'll call, and I told one of my friends I'd heard it, too, so... Two I, phone calls. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying. Do we hear three? <laughs> so, Jim, you know what that means? You know what that means, Jim? What? I'm getting old? No, 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 no. You have to, <laughs> you have to, you have to sing a song. Sing a what? song? And you have to sing, I left my heart in San Francisco, when you called old people back. I'm not great. <laughs> I'm not, I'm no, I'm no Perry Como. Well, I think, I think you, if you work on it... And when you call these people back and saying I left my heart in San Francisco, they'll understand. You want me to try tonight or not? Well, I think you should call those people back and, and sing I left my heart in San Francisco. Uh. Or my brain sank in the bay. <laughs> or my ears, I left my ears in San Francisco. <laughs> or you can, and you're good at humor. You can, you can jack it up a little bit. I know. I, I mean, it's I, really okay. It's a natural. It was unnatural, boo yeah. boo, because of the context in which we were talking. I mean, you can understand, I guess, why I might have made that mistake. Of course. Exactly. Everybody will understand. And what with losing, you know, two other people this week? It's just, you know, you you always hear more than two. Yeah. Yeah. Then come in threes usually. Yeah. Um, I don't. This week we've got six. Oh. Um, anyway, I'm glad to know he's alive. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, anyway, thanks again. It's always a pleasure. Oh, you too, Jim. 
Thank you, Jim, and thanks for the heads up on the mysteries. I really appreciate it. Enjoy them. Bye-bye. Thank you. I think we broke his heart. Oh, no. Well, I looked up dollars, mm-hmm. coins. Yeah. We don't have silver dollars. We have stupid stuff like the Susan B. Anthony that's the same size as a quarter. Oh, I know. Um, and then they did, I don't know what, they, they're gold-colored, but I don't know what they're clad in. Um, we've got a Sacagawea that came out in... When did the Sacagawea come out? Susan B. Anthony was 79 to 81. Right. <laughs> I think they were two years too short in getting that thing <laughs> out of our hands. Uh, Sacagawea was 2009 and to present, and they started a presidential series in 2007. So we've got coins of dollars, but I don't see where the silver dollar must be in here, where the silver was um, who, who was on a two dollar bill? I've, I have had I've received a couple of two dollar bills over the years. Gee, I don't know. Andrew Jackson, should know. we go for Jackson? Sure, let's, let's check. All right, I'll do that while we answer the phone. Hello there, Carl. You're on air. Well, good morning. How are you doing, Dan? We're oh, doing good pretty morning good. morning to you, too, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson on the two? Yeah. Well, wouldn't you think they'd give him a little bit more visibility I would think so. Bill? Yeah. What do you think? This is Dan, who is spreading news all over the place. Dan in Indiana, how are you? Oh, I've had better weeks. I mean, you know, I, I guess you got my emails about what happened yes. down here, you know. So, you know, um, I sure hated to hear about James, uh, James Best passing away, but... You know, he was, to be 88 and to be as active as he was, and then, you know, finding out that he's passed away, it was just uh, really, really just kind of, I mean, it, it was just bad news, you know. he Yeah. He, he had a very good life to be uh, for that age, and then to find out that, you know, he uh, caught, um, he had, he caught pneumonia and then passed, it was just a, uh, uh, it, it was it was just a you know sad news, very sad news, and um, you know he was very approachable, very nice, and just having fun, you know, at that stage, mm-hmm. you know. So you know, it, it was r- rough news, but uh, y- you've got the memories, and you know, you know that you have um, you know had a good life, and you know, he just wasn't finished with his yet. He was not finished with life. No way. No, I went to the website. You sent uh, a link for his website. Mm -hmm. And he had, in in addition to the Dukes of Hazzard, um, you know, he had really an active acting career. But then he moved to painting. And I don't mean house painting. I mean, you know, art painting. And his detail is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I'm, I, the, everybody has different tastes in what they like to look at. What I was taken with is the amount of detail. Walden, he had little splinters of bark coming off trees. Oh, wow. Leaves that were perfectly shaped. I mean, it, it just was remarkable, just a remarkable form of art. And that was a second career for him, or third or fourth, depending on 
how you look at his life. So that was James Best we're talking about. And we're really sad to lose him, too. And, and uh, he was really uh, enjoying Facebook. He would post on his Facebook page little uh, notes, you know, video notes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'd tell stories on Facebook, and it was neat just getting on there and seeing him on Facebook and sending him a message. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. You know, I'm doing this and doing that. So, you know, it, Facebook won't be the same without him. But uh, Yeah. Did you have an opportunity, now I lived in Corden, Mm -hmm. did you have an opportunity to meet with him and have a conversation at any time? Not really one-on-one, but uh, I did see him three different times when he was here giving um, his one-man show, uh, Mm -hmm. when he was Mm -hmm. promoting his book, you know, and uh, I gave him a few local little... uh, I had some items, you know, Corden being the first state capital, um, we have the uh, state, the first state uh, constitution was signed under an old elm tree, so I, I gave them a, some um, uh, years ago the constitutional elm was cut down to, uh, there's a part of the uh, tree still left uh, encased in a, in a rock, um, a rock um, stone, mm-hmm. uh, a stone figure down here, and um, uh, they've done different uh, things with uh, the wood from the Constitutional Alma. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you here, Walden. I've got about 20 seconds before I'm dumped. Walden? Be back here. Oh, boy, we're flying solo here. We, we lost Walden, so I'm going to disappear in eight seconds, and it's not because well, I hung up on you, it's because, you know, good old... Yes, that's what happens, and she's gone. Poor Patricia is gone, and Walden is gone, too, so, but, uh, yes, um, I, I was able to give Jim Best, uh, you know, some little uh, items from the Constitutional Elm, and uh, we will see... When Walden comes back. I'm back. Walden. Oh, good. Glad you're back. Uh, no problem. I had to 